Welcome to this completely unnecessary super show. Howdy. For, well, we're on a Friday, July 28th, 2023. Can I finish my date, Ian? 2023. That's Ian Ferguson interrupting me. You're taking too long with the date. On the show today, on this super show, we'll be talking about uh, Call of Duty to stay on PlayStation. Oh, we're so happy about that, aren't we? The uh, the Switch uh, helping save a child's life, which is interesting. The limited limited run event, um, and then the the big uh, video game history foundation report about games being lost to the annals of time potentially, and then heritage auctions updates that you all love as well. Update. That's right. How you doing, Ian? Good. Sweaty, but good. Yes, I'm it's good. not that bad here. It's no, like seventy five yes, degrees. But I, you know me, I generate heat. You You're layered. Are you layered? Up. Are you layered? Yes, because I'll just soak through it. I mean, regardless. Oh God, you got to you got to take a like a wide band uh, and a person and just wipe it all over your chest and back. I think you're layered, and it's wow in the summer. Okay, yeah, you got to get the Under Armour that whisks away the heat. That actually works, buddy. That should be your. That should honestly be your. Be your undershirt should be under arm. I'm not even kidding. Like that, you would be cooler. I would probably. You don't have I anything like should. that. No, when I, should, I work out, I, that's I what I look wear. into it. Yeah. Come on, Ian, you're killing me. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's there for. It's. It works. Anyway, I've been good. I've really been enjoying DJing. I picked up my crochet hooks again last week, and I've been crocheting up a storm. I forgot how relaxing it is. Uh, I've been having fun with my RC van. Comic Con was good. We talk about that in the intro. Not 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 in the intro. On the not ex- in the intro. The on the exclusive, exclusive the podcast exclusive. you'll get for signing off, signing, signing on, <laughs> signing on, and signing up on patreon.com slash you pilots. We talked about the writer strike and 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 uh, the billionaire saying that the the writers should uh, go starve and be thrown out of their houses. And we talked about Comic Con. We talked about the great Larry Houston who helped do the intros for stuff like G.I. Joe the Movie and the X-Men anime series. It was a very good and coherent bonus episode. You're saying they're usually not coherent? Well, sometimes they can be a little little, little rambly drifting. And we even talked about G.I. Joe toys. I'm getting eaten into the G.I. Joe stuff. He's not. I am. He's not. I just think that the classified ones look nice. They're very nice figures. Nice figures. They're very nice figures. I don't I don't own any. I'm not asking for, for a handout. If you got any extras laying around, I'll take them. I'll take them, but, but I don't want to get. You just I'm, said you didn't want the classifieds because well, I don't want to. If I camera, buy, if I buy one, that means I got to buy like thirty of them, and then I'm at a few grand. It is know. problematic. It's I don't want to get pulled in. That, I, I get a, I get uh, sucked into sets, which is why I don't do a lot of collecting anymore. It used to be real hard for me to go to like Comic Con uh, and like buy like a pin if it was part uh-huh. of a set. I'd be like, no, I gotta have them it, all. I'm going to buy one volume of a comic. I got to buy all five. Because that's what OCD is when you collect. I mean, you want to buy all of it. Luckily, therapy really got me out of my OCD. Well, I do have the Larry Bundy cash. So I do have the Larry Bundy cash. uh, I I can always spend that, I guess. Sure, sure you could. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, Call of Duty, Ian. Yeah. We we got a lot lot going on right now with the the, the potential merger going on between actors. It's already happened. Well, well, I guess. Well, uh, I, I thought it had. Does it happen tonight? Well, I don't know. He, did you delete the link off, or I could talk I did, about it a little? Bit? It told me we didn't have to. <laughs> I, I mean, whatever. It's a fucking merger. It mentions it here. Part of the 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 the, the nut of the 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 tidbit is um, Xbox signed a binding agreement 
uh, as part of the deal, as part of the, activi- the acquisition of Activism Bl- Blizzard, they signed a 10-year deal that will keep Call of Duty on the uh, PlayStation uh, family of systems. Um, that does not include any other Activision games, and I think that specifically was a sticking point uh, because uh, initially it was to include all games, and I think they had to go back to the drawing board, and they got it down to just COD. Well, Ian, if I had the link, I would tell you this. As of a week ago, the FTC filed an appeal of the federal judge's decision to oh. allow the closing of the murder, so it ain't done yet. It's being fought. What, what day was that? The 20th of July. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is 716. Well, look at that. Anyway. What was 716? <clears throat> that's going through? The binding agreement article. Oh, yeah. So I think they're obviously setting this up so that they can say, oh, we're going to be nice to Sony. We're going to let them have some breadcrumbs of buying some Call of Duty games. To try to avoid the, try to avoid the FTC yeah. coming down on them. You know, because the FTC has, you know, stopped monopolies before. That's why it's one of the reasons they exist. Uh, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not in the consumer's, the consumer's best interest to allow uh, some of these. So it'll probably go through eventually with some caveats and what have you uh, there. Um, if you want, you can get that hot The Boys Call of Duty crossover so, with, uh, with, uh, uh, with Homelander and the, li- the, light, the light gal. What's, what's her name? Never seen it. But we're all. You ever take- saw the boys? The boys is good. We're all taking the wrong ideas from from these things. Well, <laughs> if they're in the game as operators, yes, I think they're I, operators. Yeah, we're we're taking uh, the wrong fucking idea from the boys. I didn't know that we were doing celebrity operators and streamer operators and yeah. other things. It was the past year or two. I only see it pop up where it's like you can play I, as these characters as since, an operator. I what? think ever since the uh, the like battle royale one. Okay, then you can do. I that. I think ever since that they've they've done it. Um, is it Starlight? Is that her name? I don't know. The Boys is great. It's like season four. When's season four coming out? I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Um, I was going to, but my one friend really loved season one, and that made me really interested to watch it because he hates pretty much anything superhero related. And then he said season two just kind of turned into a fucking... He said it kind of became what he didn't want it to become. Basically, well, it's all based said, on the comics, so I think they're right. following along. Uh, Starlight... Homelander and Black Noir, who is basically Snake Eyes. Speaking of G.I. Joe, it's basically looks just like Snake Eyes, doesn't talk. And it gets into who that character is in season three. So, 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 I so do this think is, it makes more sense from the Mortal Kombat thing. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay. But this is why it's, it's weird to me to see this at all because the, th- the whole thing about the, the boys and Homelander and they're, they're, they're literally commercialized, over-the-top commercialized superheroes yes. as part of a big corporation Yeah, that like you shouldn't look up to That's these That's what I'm heroes. saying. We're taking the wrong lessons yeah. from these shows. You look these up are to not these heroes. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> is not someone to aspire to no. or to want to idolize. He's uh, an author- authoritarian, you know, like right, like ultra right wing sort of type of character not ultra right wing but right wing he's really just out for himself but he's got some really weirdo beliefs that that daddy has in, in some of this um that you shouldn't spoilers end of season three you know he basically you know uh kills someone protesting him in front of a crowd and his like crowd which represents like right wingers starts to applaud because like oh you're our guy we don't care who yeah. you killed we're in a cult like that's basically how the season three ends. Yep, it's really on the nose 
the uh, which is funny for people not understanding that when they're watching these shows what they're actually what this is a satire of when you're watching this. But the point is this is seeing that commercialized really destroys the point of it. It's like it would be like doing the same thing with Watchmen characters. Yes. Which is why I can't stand the fact that they allowed like these new Watchmen. Well, and there was that made. really bad watch. I think there was a really bad Watchmen uh, Xbox 360 arcade game, too. It's like you're really not getting the fucking point, point. of this. Yes. Alan Moore was right. Don't touch my properties. And the only thing I did it right was supposedly the HBO series, which I still have to see. It's, it had the same tone, supposedly, as the graphic novel. Because uh, the fucking movie uh, missed the, the, the plot. Zack Snyder understood it on the level of a second grader. I did. I, I heard uh, the HBO show was actually very good, and I heard this. It's uh, it's another one of those uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross soundtracks. I heard the soundtracks amazing. Oh, I've, I only saw the pilot. The pilot was free a couple of years ago on on demand. Like, oh, no, this is good. I can get into this, even though it takes some liberties with some of the, the expectations of some of the characters that you think. Obviously, not to get into too many spoilers. We're talking about the Watchmen one, right? Yeah, I thought it was a completely different story. Well, no, it's yes, it takes place in modern day. Okay, but it's yeah, it's, it's it does the same its own thing. Universe. It's, a, it's right. the same universe as, as the graphic novel, not the movie. Gotcha. Thank God, it has the squid. Oh, okay, that's yeah. what you were saying. Gotcha. Yeah, but then it changes around your perception. Like, I actually be interested. Alan Moore will never watch it, but I wonder if he actually watched it. Be like, okay, at least it understands the tone of what I was trying to do. At least, right? Yeah, at least it was trying to do that. Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, so it's weird to put these characters in these games. But they're going to be in uh, Homeland is going to be in Mortal Kombat as well, which at least makes more sense to me. It does, but it still kind of yes. misses the, the yes, of course, point. of course it does. But that at least makes more sense because I, you're, he'll probably be an enemy, I would say, or, or at least villainous. That's in, how they do with that. these celebrity characters. Some of them, they, they I make mean, some them of like, them are good, some of them aren't. They actually have that much writing into it. Well, they're on the side of the Shadow Realm or whatever. No, folks. I'm just like some uh, of them are clearly portrayed. Like the Ninja sure. Turtles are good guys, sure. you know. Like it's just. We'll see what they do with it. I saw people complaining about, well, it's going to be the similar moveset to uh, uh, fucking uh, Omni-Man or whatever. I'm just like, what the, what the who, like, who cares? You're playing a game about people ripping their heads off and they're, they're, they're fine the next game. Like, who, like yeah. it's, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, That's it's why funny. that one bothers me less is because Mortal Kombat is just fucking nonsense anyway. Yes. It's, it, I don't know when it became the, the Smash Brothers for like adult properties, but apparently it has. That's awesome. I, love um, it. I mean, what else? <laughs> you, honestly, what else are we going to do at Mortal Kombat? You're, you're playing the same game uh, of plot over and over again. Tell silly stories I over I mean, and but, over again? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, what else are you going to do? How many times are you going to have like, you know, Sonya Blade, you know, rebu- rebuffing Johnny Cage's put, advances? Put, put the same tournament in a bag, shake it up, yeah, yes. and dump it up. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, Live for that. I love any. Yes, I love anything that exists in a tournament situation. Uh, apparently, you're Mister Enter the Dragon in Bloodsport. Enter the Dragon, Bloodsport. The original Dragon Ball is like all uh, tournament shit. Who was I watching? Who was I talking to on the phone? Who admitted they finally watched Bloodsport and thought it was pretty good? Um, I don't want to put them on the spot. Uh, I was on the phone one of, one, of, one of our mutuals, and I was like, "You finally!" I'll put him on the spot. I think it was Alex. I think Alex was like, you know, I think I finally, if, it's, if it wasn't Alex, I apologize. But I think Alex was like, yeah, I finally saw Bloodsport and it, it was all right. So I was like, oh, you're better than all right. It's amazing. Like, what are you talking about? It's amazing. What are you, what are you nuts? So <laughs> I thought they'd have like a watch party with everyone. Sit down and watch Bloodsport. I, uh, I was talking about Bloodsport once with the uh, Doug, who is the... Um who was the dad of the D&D family. And uh, I was just talking once about how much I fucking love Bloodsport. I was like, I love this movie. It's fucking great. It's fun, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Well, a couple weeks later, we went over there for uh, D&D, and he was like, so you really like that movie? I was like, yeah. And I think he thought I meant it in, like, it's a serious, like, 
dramatic movie. I'm like, yeah, man, I love it. There's some drama in that movie. Yeah, but it, I mean, I love it because Tanaka's it's fun, arc, and you know. You know? And I, I just I realize that some people always are looking for something in a movie, whereas I will oftentimes watch a movie simply because I find it fun to watch. Sure. But yeah. Anyway. What what what, what are you in? What, what, what are you saying? God, I don't know where my my things are anymore. God, I'm so bad with this. There it is. Anyway, it's been so long since we did one of these. So two months. It's also been a long time since you've plugged Ultimate Nintendo dot com. <laughs> That's right. Ian. I forgot what you can buy there. I think you can buy uh, Super Nintendo and NES books. You can buy you can buy stickers. See you podcast uh, enamel pins of the podcast as well, and and my big hair RBI baseball stickers and more. Video game years, not for resubbery at ultimatenintendo.com. Um, I'll be on Twitch every Wednesday, as you know. This is also the year and you can catch me on Twitch on Thursdays. Oh, well, uh oh. You don't want to compete? You don't want to you don't want to do counter programming to me on, on Wednesday? Seems <laughs> silly. <laughs> uh we'll be we'll be at Long Island Retro Gaming Expo August twelfth and thirteenth. There's also stuff going on, on the eleventh that Friday. That'll be mostly a setup day for this, but we might be around uh, part of that day as well and i also want to plug a kickstarter uh for the second it's, it's the second volume of the world of nintendo a visual history by andy cunningham oh uh, so what would the first volume be like uh, pre-nintendo stuff 87 through 90 oh okay so 87 through 90 and it's all it's all about um all the store display unit stuff m82 stuff that, you know the stuff i talk about that i drool over and like some stuff that was at ces that they showed off and you know the history of that stuff very good job. Folks so, used to really know how to set up like a, a section in a department. Yeah, I mean, this is a lost art. Look at this. It is. Like, look, look at her and her genuinely. big genuinely her big nineteen eighty eight hair setting up that action set tower next to the consoles. Like it's fantastic. Probably because no one goes to department stores anymore. The super set it looks like a KB toy store or a smaller, or like you know, it's not a Toys R Us. Toys R Us, you know, was very cold and too clinical in selling their video games. Uh, you know, wasn't, I liked wasn't the fun. ticket system. I enjoyed it. Uh, so, anyway, so volume two is on Kickstarter. That's ninety one, I believe, through ninety six. So it encapsulates up to the N sixty four. Like what the era when they had three systems to uh, to uh, promote. You know, we were promoting Super Nintendo, Game Boy, and NES all at the same time. Like that's you know that's what that era was. Right. Which is interesting. Well, interesting time for Nintendo to do oh, that because yeah. that was like we look back. That was like wow, their first handheld and our first two consoles at the same time. And they really never did that after that where they were promoting two different consoles. I guess with the Super Nintendo, the tail end of the Super Nintendo, but that was pretty much dead as soon as the N64 came out. It was on its last legs. Yeah, I mean, well, because it was very, very early on. We had just kind of crawled out of, you know, Nintendo crawled out of the video game crash. There were no real rules. Sure. And uh, I think that's mainly it. This this was the first (sighs) time we took the Master System. I don't think really counts. No, no one had it here. (laughs) Um, This was, Uh, yeah, not in the U.S. anyway. This was the first time the U.S. really saw you know, this new system and to kind of stem the, uh, I mean, I remember lots of people being angry back then. No, there, was new, there was new stories about it. Yeah. They're like, this is pointless. We don't need this. We don't need a new system. It won't even play the old games. They're just trying to milk us for money. And I mean, that was, that, yeah, was, but, that was a big deal. So they promoted both. They knew eventually how people play and buy things. They would catch on to it, but they did a really, really like, 
a good job of promoting both at the same time, yes. even in the same commercials sometimes. Yeah, because remember, it's not like I might have gotten the NES in 87. Not everyone did, or right. even 88, 89, 90. So say you got the system for your family a year and a half ago and just spent several hundred dollars on games and stuff, because they were still putting out re-releases of like Castlevania and Super Mario. Yeah, and that's all the those, other thing. Yeah. When the Nintendo came out here, not everyone knew about it. It wasn't like everyone was raiding for it and went rushed yes. out to buy it. It took years to, to for get that integrated. To, for the market to saturate. Yeah, so like I knew like some people that got it eighty nine ninety. So like yeah yeah now, next year oh I gotta buy a new system fuck that that's probably what parents thought they didn't they weren't expecting that my parents you know? flat out told me no they would not buy me a Super Nintendo and then I remember like when we raked leaves my brother and I to get a Genesis they were like okay well at least this is a different di- different company. games different company you know sure it's dark it's edgy for teenagers man <laughs> um you know what's for everyone the Amicade. <laughs> Amicade for everyone. Amicade for everyone. Uh, good old, good old, our, our, our pal Gatorus on the Intellivision underscore Miko uh, forums. Yes, you will not go one podcast without us mentioning the Amico. Uh, but this is a free game pack for all like the the 24. I think I think this thing was I'll make them all within a day or so, yes. these games. So you can get them all for free. Oh, you can get the Ski Fall game, which is uh, the skiing game, Astro Clash, which is the Astro Smash, and Shark shark park which is uh the shark shark uh clone and it's all free and they probably play just as well if not better than if you were to spend over 300 dollars for an amico than getting these games hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline Actually, you know, it looks cute. I'll tell you what. I'll mean, tell you what. The Shark Shark uh, or Shark Park looks better because it has a cohesive graphic style that the Amico one lacks. Yeah. I mean, there's no... Uh, I, I played the uh, Hater Smash one, and I had fun with it. They're all simple games. I mean, that's why he's not charging anything. Sure. Uh, I do want to say I will plug it. Uh, I finally... He's got a game coming out soon called Crossover Roll for Initiative that is a really fun and interesting um, mix of RTS and puzzle, and it revolves around fighting enemies on top of um, like a, like a uh, your RPG stat sure. sheet. It's extremely cool. It's like a meta, a of, meta experience. Yeah, it's it's very very fun to play. Uh, I got the demo when they were doing the Steam like summer of demo things. A lot of those disappeared. Uh, his did not. You can still download the crossover role for initiative demo. So do it. Have a good time. All right. Uh, I guess positive news here that uh, this is a story that came out uh, 10 days ago. The FBI rescues an abducted girl with the help of a Nintendo Switch. Uh, Online tracking saves the day. On August 3rd, 2022, a Virginia family reported their 15-year-old daughter missing. Um, Authorities immediately began treating the situation as potentially malicious rather than a common runaway case because the daughter was described as a homebody and that's someone that would like run away as a teenager. Initial searches yielded no clues about the child's whereabouts. This is from a TechSpot article, by the way, from Matt Frusher. Uh, Unknown to the search team, she was already over 2,000 miles away in an Arizona apartment, abducted by 28-year-old Ethan Roberts. Roberts, The girl had been chatting online with Roberts, goddamn, who manipulated her into leaving home with him. 
watch. You got to watch what your kids are doing. Unfortunately, uh, that's why you have all the all these fucking uh, stuff to make. You know, watch what your kids are doing, spying on them. This is this is the worst thing that can happen. Unfortunately, unfortunately, neither the girls' parents nor the authorities had any knowledge of the chats. With no leads found throughout Virginia, the search efforts had hit a dead end. This was until one of the abducted uh, child's friends contacted authorities with an unexpected clue. The girls' Nintendo Switch console had unexpectedly appeared online. So when you sign up for a Nintendo Switch, you know you can see your friends who are online. Yeah. So obviously she probably said, "Oh my God, that's my friend online." Yeah. So, um, Roberts had allowed the child to bring along her Nintendo Switch, which went unnoticed by all involved. At the apartment, Roberts let her connect to the Switch uh, to Wi-Fi so she can watch YouTube and download a game. However, unbeknownst to Roberts, launching a Switch game online alerts any logged-in friends. That we talked about yep. featured by Nintendo. Uh, so there you go. Then the FBI was probably like, uh, they called the FBI. FBI went to Nintendo and said, "Okay, where the hell is this Switch being?" access from by the ip and they tracked her down thank god yeah thank god Whew. um i almost wish they didn't publish this crazy because this could be story i almost wish they didn't publish this because then oh, i don't want this to be by any potential abductor to know that this is something that can get them found out well we should, probably shouldn't have covered it but <laughs> oh I, I think ian <laughs> it's out the bag it's a national yes. story but like that's but that's uh that's uh good on that they probably moved quickly and are just like hey nintendo to give us the IP and we'll go pick up this fucking scumbag. Well, and that, um, one, that that's one. I mean, you can look at lots of bad benefits of things being connected online all the time, but sure. because a lot of things are, it does, you know, it, it does pre- present ways to trace sure. people. Sure. Um, in these instances. There you go. Throw them in jail for fucking 50 years. I think I said 30 years uh, sentencing, I believe, on there. Good. Plead they'll receive a 30 year prison sentence. Good. Uh, limited Run had yep. a. Big, big, big summer roundup. Um, <laughs> there's more than 20 game announcements, and while I'd love to go through everything, I, I, I just I, I've I have uh, kind of trimmed the list down to some interesting things. Uh, some collections, uh, a lot of collections that uh, were announced that are going to be interesting, um, and some weird little things. So El Shaddai. Uh, that's one that they announced physical release. Loved that game on the PlayStation Three. It's all about the apocryphal. Uh, um, uh, what's the Bible book? It's fucking weird. It's a weird game. Um, Clock Tower, though, that's an interesting one. Never came out here. Never only, came out here on the Famicom. Super Nintendo. Uh, it is a cult classic, um, and I believe it's a collection. So it's going to have. It's going to have, like, drawings and making of some behind-the-scenes stuff. I think it's going to have the PlayStation version as well, uh, which... Oh, I didn't see that. I could be wrong. Not just the Super Nintendo one? Let me look that up. There was a couple versions of the game, at least. Oh, yeah, I know that. I think I own the the, the PlayStation one, I believe. I think I found it to swap me somehow. But that is one that I'm definitely interested in. Oh, sure. That's that. Yeah, something like anything that didn't come out here, they have a chance to get. You know, that's cool. By the way, they did a, a very kitschy... You know, 1996 style video event where the, like when well, they announced the price of the remember they announced the price of the Saturn and the PlayStation. Yeah. If it's just two ninety nine and one ninety nine, and people went nuts. Sure. Um, so Clock Tower is going to be. Let's see, which one is it? Uh, I think I think yeah, I think I believe it's just the Super Famicom one. Okay, I could be. And, and it's all running on the Carbon Engine that they're touting, yes. which uh, basically is. Um, uses the original ROM and you build on top of it. It's almost like an emulator package that they're... An the emulator package? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very You build impressive. on top and make it for a modern, put in achievements, put in, you know, uh, other elements. You basically build on top of the original ROM. Yep. Which you can do, which you can do like other companies have done something similar, but it's like their own... They're, they're really building this up it's as... It's their proprietary yeah. engine. They did it with River City Girls. They did it with, uh, God, uh, a couple other things called Shante, I believe. Not River City Girls. River um, City Girls Zero. 
Okay. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. They did it with a few games like that. So they're really, really doing a push now. There's several games on here doing that, including the Jurassic Park collection. I'm really looking forward to that. The games uh, are not like <laughs> the most amazing, but I you love like the them. NES one. So here's the thing. I like the NES one. It gets really repetitive. Okay, I'm sure. It gets really repetitive. But I, I do like play it. through it. The Super Nintendo one, I don't know anything about, uh, really, other than uh, it's just like Doom. Uh, that's what uh, that's what Ruth said. It's just like Doom. There's, when, I mean, there's first person That's section, what Ruth said. I, I know. I'm not saying that's that. That's like I'm going 10% back to of the Ru- game. Not even. Yeah, I know. Yeah. When Ruth said that during I don't the remember. Long, I don't remember him yeah. saying that. Well, that's when insane. he was going... You don't remember him going off on Doom? He doesn't like no, Doom. No, I remember going off on Doom. He doesn't like Doom. Oh, that's he what he compared... Like, yeah, he's oh, like, it's God. like Jurassic Park for the Super oh, Nintendo. God, <laughs> oh, God. I didn't know he... Oh, God, Ruth. I miss Ruth. Um, what I didn't see when I... I did watch the trailer for this one. I didn't see the Genesis games, but it says it collects the 8 and 16-bit yeah, legacy, so I think yes. they're in there. Yeah, it's in there. Um, the, the, obviously, the Genesis one was, was a side-scroller. It's totally different. Rampage Edition was way better. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I liked the Genesis. I really liked the Genesis Jurassic Park. I remember playing out. the Genesis one at Billy's house. I think he had I think he had that. Billy or Kevin? Which one had it? It might have been Kevin that had that. Um, um, a neat one, just because I don't... Like, it's just... It's random... Like, I made fun of them when they did the Bill and Ted's, and those are not good games. This is just as weird, but I'm actually excited. Gargoyles. Have you ever played the Gargoyles Genesis game? No, but it's, it's really good. fucking gorgeous. For a, I mean, it's one of the prettiest Genesis games you'll ever see. Um, and I think that's the only game. So I'm assuming... Just that. I think it's the only Gargoyles well, game there is. So it's probably just that. But that is going to be cool. Um, well, that's because a- it's difficult. It's pretty big and it's expensive. As I say, it's an uncommon Genesis it's, it's game. It's very so expensive. I got it in the cardboard box, I believe. Yeah, the cardboard sleeve. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know Gen- if there. I don't think there was a. No, there uh, wasn't a clamshell. No. Uh, holy shit! Wow, it went up. Um, yeah, man, it's expensive. It's still eight, seven days left, and it completed. It's at one hundred twenty-eight dollars. Seven days left. Yeah. Holy shit! Yep. So it's around two. We'll say around two hundred bucks, something like that, maybe a little bit less for complete. Yeah, so that's a good, that's the type of game you want to see get uh, a release, right? Un- yeah, this, common, see, popular. This makes good. sense to me because like great game and expensive. Whereas the Bill and Ted games were just like these aren't expensive. Well, I, I laugh. <laughs> I laugh about the Three Stooges when they did. Just because oh yeah, like, that too. Yeah. Very niche niche crowd going to be into the Three Stooges when you can get it on the NES already. Gex you know. trilogy. Gex has had a. Really strange, ironic uh, resurgence over uh, the past few years. Okay. Uh, lots of, yeah. And as, as memes? Like, as, yes. I, I've noticed. And I think there, this is a case of striking while the iron is hot. Hot? And it, hot. And uh, I think they will sell a lot of this one based on memes. I actually kind of enjoy the first Gex. It's not great, but it's better than average. And I like the look of it. It's got that very mid-90s, we're doing stuff on a multimedia system look to it. Like, it just, it looks like a game that was made on the 3DO. And it's going to have the actual 3DO version, uh, as well as the PlayStation version. The 3DO version does run better and is slightly different. Okay, Um, so that's cool. And then it's going to have, what, the other two, uh, was it two on the the 3D ones? Two on the N64 came out, which were also on the PlayStation, I believe. Two and three, yes. Yeah. Uh, The one, one of them was called Gex 64. Gex 64. Gex 64 is Gex 2, but slightly different, if I'm not mistaken um they're not great games but i remember playing the first one uh, the first 3d one and thinking you know it was fine it's an interesting time capsule sure uh i'm sure there's some gex fans out there that are going to be o- over the moon for that uh 
Plumbers don't wear ties. I, I was going to leave that to last. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm leaving the other one. Well, well there's two other things I want to talk okay. about, really. Uh, okay, talk about plumbers don't wear ties. I was just going to say, plumbers don't wear ties is one another one that I think is interesting to have a re-release. Not because it's fun, but because people want to see it. It's been talked about. It's one of those games that people know about because it's been talked about the the entire time game collecting on the internet has been around. It's always been known as one of those real weird titles. Well, they know about it mostly because it was the ABGN video. That's, I mean, that, that uh, video. I, I knew about it before. Okay. Well, I, I didn't even know he did a video on it. <laughs> think about outside sure. of our realm. Sure. I just um, didn't know there was a video. Oh yeah. It. I mean, God, that probably has like 10 million views at least. Oh, okay. Uh, ABGN. So, so here's the thing. This is like a documentary almost about the game outside of it. They interviewed yes. the original, one of the original uh, actors, actually a couple of the people, uh, they interviewed James in it. Some other people uh, from Limited Run, uh, I believe. Uh, I believe uh, Audi's interviewed, oh, nice. and then uh, Kelsey that, that we know she's interviewed uh, from Video Game History Foundation. So, like, they're talking to other people outside of it. Uh, I I knew this was coming for like two and a half years. I did. And, I, I, I feel I, like they had already. They did announce it. A long but, time but ago. I talked to Josh about this way back, and I was like, "Really? You got the rights to this? This came out. This this has this came out in two thousand nine on game trailers." I don't know how many views it got on game trailers. It got a lot. This has 9.2 million views on YouTube. This probably has over 10 million views. What does? Uh, James's video. No, James's video. Okay. So, like, most people didn't know about this game until this video. So, obviously, they talked to James, and he talked about how ridiculous this is. Nice. It, it's a visual novel in the loosest fucking, fucking sense. sense. Yeah. Like, really bad, over-the-top pictures. There is some nudity, but actually not that much that you'd expect in a game like this. That's what's so weird about it. Yeah. It's just fucking bizarre. It's just bizarre, and it's obviously no one bought it on the on the three DO, so it goes for uh, excuse me, as a three DO, so yeah, so it goes for Sega CD. Uh, so I, that's how little I, I I just know it's weird. Yeah. So it goes for a decent amount of money, um, yes. because you can't find it. I think I might have seen it in person once or twice. If I had to look it up, it'd probably be like four hundred dollars if I had to guess uh, there. So it's one of those things where it, it literally became like an internet meme sort of thing. No one's really played the damn thing, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, capsule. Oh, yeah, three DO. Yeah. Oh no, I was. I don't think it makes Sega, Sega CD. CD. Yeah, it's no, too adult oriented. Sure. Because like there is some real some nudity. Plumbers yeah. uh, don't wear ties. Like, yeah. Let me see what this goes for. So it's interesting because you're really buying this for all the behind the scenes stuff as a documentary. Yes. Like that's why you're really buying it uh, for this because you really don't want. It's funny they do have like a remastered version of the game included where it's just like they like try to upscale the images which are terrible and it's like uh i mean it's just funny it's like a joke almost. this is one of those games you own so you can say you've played it and you have it it's, it's like the um it's like when night trap came out sure so the cheapest one is 350 yeah buy it now so yeah that it's one of those games where like yeah i'm not sure who would have bought it back then because it's not like it's not really like sexual it's like you're not going to get your rocks off playing this game sure it's just ridiculous so why did it get published? So anyway, so that's why you want to uh, play something like that. But um, for yeah. the for the for the we'll call it the sister system, the CDI. There's an interesting original game that Limited Run ha- is publishing and coming out with, uh, and I just lost the list in front of me. Oh, I didn't. Uh, you didn't see that? No. It's actually it's one of those things where again, if probably the internet didn't exist and memes, it would oh, not have been oh, made. Oh, oh, it's the one that it, it's I, basically the pseudo sequel to, uh, the, the side scrolling, uh, links, Advent, the, the Zelda CDI game. It's a yeah. spiritual successor to the, is uh, it actually getting a CDI release? No. Oh no. Oh, okay. No, I, this, no, this is an original game. 
Yeah, I know it is, but I thought I, the way you were saying, it, I thought they were doing a CDI release. Never mind. You're talking you, you, about sister system. I'm saying the 3DL yes. was a sister system to the CDI. Our set the Jewel of Faramore. Our set the Jewel of Faramore has original voice actors that did the voices on the original. They didn't say it in the video. They, they had to dance around. It's like, oh, they, they couldn't say this is like a spiritual successor, but you know it. It has the same exact graphic style, like the like the like sort of the hand drawn backgrounds, uh-huh. the same. I will say really bad, cheap gameplay that looks for it's just like oh you hit a person once and they die. So like, but that's the charm of these games and the really almost MS Paint squal- quality cutscenes. <laughs> you know where it's like this, the point of it is like really bad drawn animation where it's like you know twenty frames a second. So they really have the same style of the. I wouldn't say the animation is terrible on the original games, but it's not great in the original sure. games. Right. It's uh, not it's great. Not good at all. Um, so. Over the top, same sort of animation, same same sort of look. It obviously probably looks a little bit better in terms of the gameplay. Oh, it looks! I um, think it looks pretty fun. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be a di- different game, but it's yeah. still simple gameplay. Sure, mechanics like the original. Yeah, uh, the original voices uh, from Jeffrey Rath and Bonnie Jean Wilbur from the original games, I assume, and new art by Rom Dunlavy, which I assume is the artist from the original CDI games. Otherwise, they wouldn't advertise it. So it's really interesting that. Yeah, you know, what what they're doing here, um, I think people will get it. Maybe just for the keech of it, where it's like, oh, it's a, it's a it's a game. that looks like it was made in '94, you know, like, and that's cool, I guess. Yeah, '93, '94, sort of early CD game. That it's interesting that they they they, they, did, they did a game like that. I, just I think, I think it's going to be very neat. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, uh, Rose and Camilla, I'm looking forward to that. Started on an iPhone as an iPhone game. Oh. about women slapping each other. Uh, in high society, and there's four games apparently total. Well, I've only played the first one. What do you do? You just it's you'll just have to look it up. You just slap. It's um, a slapping contest, like power slap. Rise of the Triad, I think, will be oh, fun to revisit. I saw that they're doing that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to revisit. I haven't played a lot of that. I remember playing like a, a quick demo as kid. Well, I think that's it. the other thing. I definitely played it in my youth, but I I, I didn't play it to death like I did Doom. No, at, at that point I was playing um, or Duke Nukem. Duke yeah, I was Nukem playing Duke was Nukem. what I was playing that was around like that time. later nineties, like ninety seven. Mm-hmm. I was playing Duke Nukem and Shadow Warrior. I was playing around that time. I remember Rise of the Triad too because there was an early, early, and you probably remember it, uh, uh, computer game rating system where it would show like a thermometer and it would rise yeah. between. And there was like a little bomb and it would rise to four levels. Doom was level three. Okay. And I remember this was four. I remember Rise of the Triad was level four, and I remember because I didn't know what it meant as a kid. It says wanton violence, <laughs> wanton violence, wanton. Not, yes, not our wanton. But, I, that but that's what I'm saying. When I read it as a kid, I was like, wanton violence. Yes. What the fuck is that? Chinese food violence. Um, uh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, maybe because it, it was like photorealistic people. Maybe that's why. Like, you know, it's like Mortal Kombat, but you're playing a first person shooter. Maybe that's why. Uh, the yeah. last one before we get to the last one, Tomba, the Tomba collection. Again, great games. Um, uh, two of them, they they did not. Uh, they're very expensive to get now. Um, so that's a, a, a compilation. I that know I pick nothing up. about that series. They're cute. They're um, fun. You play as a little caveman. Well, I think. Oh, they just announced that something's coming. Uh, it wasn't too specific. That was, oh, was like okay. a teaser. It just says it's coming to Carbon Engine, so we don't know Hope, the, the full well, details. They're both PlayStation games, so hopefully we'll get both of them. So, so that's interesting. And then I guess the, the larger mini topic from this is that they are doing a physical release of Karateka or Karateka, if you want to pronounce it either way. Uh, the Digital Eclipse Director's Cut. Um, 
the, I'm sorry, the making of Karateka uh, is what they're calling it. Yes. Uh, Gold Master Series. I guess, I guess this is the start of a new sort of... Uh, I'm so into this. So basically what they're doing is they're taking the framework that was created with Atari 50th and they're going to use that framework because it's a great fucking framework sure. uh, going forward. And what they're doing with this is interesting to me in that they're now not focusing on a collection, but they're doing that that documentary museum style exhibit experience for one game. And they're going pretty deep cut here, but it is an important game. And I feel like there's enough people out there doing the obvious things. I would love to see more of this. So this has four playable versions of the games. It has Jordan Mechner's notes about it. It has the original uh, videos they used to do the rotoscoping. Yep. Was it his brother that did it? I no, forget. his dad. His, his dad, dad went running, and they videotaped it, and he rotoscoped over it. So, so it has, like, this is literally, like, a documentary about the making of the game. Um, it has notes. It has, like, final, has different sprite layers versus the sketching of the rotoscoping. So this is, like, really, like... You can watch... You can do... I love this, but you can do the watch a playthrough and pick it up at any time sort of thing. That's a good idea. I, I, I love that. Yes. Uh, they did that for the Turtles collection, for sure. Sure. And I think some other stuff. They have his handwritten notes about the game. Because remember, this is, like, the still, like, the, the formative years of doing computer games. You know what I mean? So, like, a lot of the people doing these games, you didn't have big teams doing these games. No, you know, like like obviously Richard Gary was doing the games by himself. This is basically a fucking kid. With no, he was a, he was yeah, a kid. kid with he's not that dad. old. Yeah. He's not that old now. No, no. <laughs> you know what is he? Like early fifties? Like how old is Jordan Meg? He's probably not that old now. No, he can't so, be. So um, well, yeah, he I'm, started young. Yeah, the people are starting like, like Richard Gary was a teenager. He's fifty nine, so he was probably like okay. twenty years old. Yeah. You know? So there you go. No, because this is eighty four. Um, yeah, about twenty twenty one. So it's interesting time capsule um of of this obviously it's a lot of work to go into um interviewing these folks and editing the documentaries together and i hope it, i hope it's a success that they can do more of these i just i i think you have to be careful about what sort of games you choose uh uh for this just because well this is a special case because it's because uh, this is an earlier computer game and obviously it's jordan mechter it's almost like you know one man uh, gang doing uh the game um but I guess you can do this for certain games where if the budget's small enough and you can study the games, these particular games, it, it would get more cumbersome, I guess, doing like bigger games in this way, I guess. But for these very – like you can do this about like, like, you know, like, a, like a Sierra game. You can talk to Roberta Williams you know, about doing King's Quest. I would, I would uh, love this to – I mean I'm sure it, it, this is probably what it will focus on initially. But I would love for it to focus on early 80s computer or other, or other I, games that, have, that, that were ported to multiple systems at sure. the time. So you can get the different versions and see the different versions. Uh, like, I mean, I, I, I'm not a Prince of Persia would be great. Not to sure. not to rely on another Mechner game, but it would be another good one to do in terms of the comparing, the contrasting, and things like that. Sure, I don't think they would because you, uh, the rotoscoping and whatnot would be topics that have already been covered in this. But games like that, yeah, yeah, I just hope it does well enough that it would justify further ones I mean, getting like a couple like a couple a year would be cool well i can't what... say for sure i just feel like they're probably smart enough to like this does seem like a very detailed but very small very sure. passion pa very much a passion yeah project. it's a smaller risk and i'm assuming uh, that you know the budget matches so if this doesn't sell like i mean I, it's not going to sell like millions of copies 
No, I'm sure they re- they they they, they well, weighed the risk. Well, yeah, with weighed limited run, you're going to guarantee to sell more at limited run. But like, yeah, I don't know how many you're going to sell like on Steam or like on like, the Xbox Store. That's the thing. Like, it's it's a very niche uh, uh, audience for something like this. Obviously, well, luckily but, I am in that audience, and I, right. I I can't wait to see what this looks like. I I. They keep saying 2023, and I'm just hoping for, like, a shadow drop one of these days, because everything they show makes it look very complete. Sure. Um, so that's cool. It's, it's, a, it's a different way of, uh, which we'll get into the next topic, about spreading knowledge of game history, even though it's very, it's, it's obviously one game. You're getting a deep dive into one specific game and the background of it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to do that. Uh, for sure. And I'm also looking but, forward but, to playing it. I mean, I've played Karateka before, and I enjoy it. I used to play the Apple II version. I don't remember. I think I played the Famicom one. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember when my friends had it on the computer uh, back then. Because uh, yeah, obviously it was on like all the multi carts. Uh, uh, all, all the NES multi carts had, had it on there. It, it was on there to play. So I was like, oh, well, what's this game when you're like seven years old? Because I didn't know it was a computer game. I think back then. I don't think so. Was it on IBM? I guess see. I guess see what the IBM uh, version was. Let me look real quick. I don't, I'm not sure. I never come across it. Can I, can I take an IBM, like an IBM DOS version from the mid '80s? Oh yeah. There's a, there's one, eighty six came out and then archive release is there. I don't I'm not sure I ever saw it. Yeah, most of that stuff by then they were probably doing multi platform stuff. Sure, um, an easy way to relicense the game and get a couple more. Sure, I, I mean I might own it because I don't know what computer games I own apparently because I'm an idiot. Ian probably knows more than me looking at my computer games on the shelf. I don't know what I have. That's that's the problem with it. Yeah, it's always an interesting thing to look at what computer games you randomly have. That's why I have on the shelf. Yep. Well, while I'm putzing around here. I'm just going about real quick. I just want to talk about Glorbo real quick, just because this shows how fucking dumb AI is and how, but how, how it, it's, it also shows the pitfalls of AI uh, and AI writing articles. So Redditors uh, pranked an AI powered news site. It was called uh, the portal and it writes stuff with uh, via AI and they decided that they wanted to see if they could trick the AI. So a user wrote a Reddit post uh, called, um, uh, what was the post called? Uh, oh, World of Warcraft introduces Glorbo. And they talk about Glorbo and how great Glorbo is, how it was introduced by Hearthstone in 1994 when Hearthstone wasn't even out, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, it was titled, I'm so excited they finally introduced Glorbo. At the front of it, they said, this new feature makes me so happy. I really just want some major bot-operated news site to publish this. Um, So they were like, comment below. So people just kept commenting. And after enough attention had been brought to the Reddit, uh, Portal uh, wrote up an article on it as fact. (laughs) The Portal, World of Warcraft players react to AI generated... Oh, that's a different one. Um, So... Uh, it, it gave a uh, journalist name of, I think it was something like Lisa Reed, who, uh, when they checked, had done 80 articles that day. So this is why, you know, you got to be fucking careful with AI is that uh, it, there's there's nothing in place right now. AI doesn't know if you're telling it truth or lies. It AI doesn't think for itself. itself. People it, don't understand what AI yeah. actually is doing at this point. AI it's not is the not movie. going to look it's at not that the stone thing and be like, oh, they're obviously fooling with me. This no. isn't AI from the movies. This isn't Skynet. It's not creating uh, any of its own original thoughts. No, it's it's extra. It's taking what's pre-existing mushing it together making a, some extrapolation from that and that's it and probably not even a huge extrapolation but that's what ai is doing so like if there's if it's garbage in garbage out yeah with with ai Absolutely. that's basically what it is um so yeah 
just that I thought that was amusing, but also like, oh, that's kind of scary because people do go to these sites for they don't realize it sometimes that they're going to these sites for news and AI is just spitting out trash. I didn't know there's yeah, I didn't know there was a bunch of AI news sites popping up. That's kind of scary. Well, I don't know that uh, that site states that it is. That's why it has a fake author uh, name, but no author is writing 80 articles should, in a day. I feel like that should be legally disclosed if like this is like this isn't this is not someone this is an AI author. Yeah, you can't take doing. all of this as fact yeah. because it's yeah. Mm. That's special. Um what else is going on here, Ian? Oh, just real quick, this is brought to our attention, this next playground little device thing. I don't have a huge amount to say about it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's again, a better idea than the email. I don't even know that it is. I, I, no, I, feel, I, I feel like we have to stop saying that something's, A, I, this is still a bullshit fucking idea. I mean, it's still, it, 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 it well, it's cheaper. It's it's a hundred and seventy nine dollars. Yeah, and when, it's a little. It's it's a motion based uh, game. It has a little camera on the front. It does look cute. It looks adorable. The form factor actually looks adorable. Yes, you're gonna kill me on that. It has it has one little controller that's like it looks like a wand motion controller, uh, thing with 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 three buttons on it. Real simple, three fucking buttons like a Wiimote. Like that's all you need for this stuff. Um, and it has three games uh, built in. And I guess you purchase more later. Later, but I'm not saying this is a great product. But this is the model you want to go with to market something like this. Sure. Digital distribution. Uh, keep it truly, cheap. truly simple keep controller. It, keep it more affordable. Um, some stuff does seem kind of weird, though. Uh, from the original Twitter post that brought it to our attention, I think, or the Twitter post that was brought to our attention. Yeah, the one that um, <clears throat> the guy Droid Gamer who mentions it says. That so on the uh, web page it says Next has been featured in Wired, Time, Fast Company, Forbes, Yahoo, and TechCrunch. The only mention he could find on any of those websites was Yahoo Finance, and it was just the press release. So okay, so just a little, a, so, a little, uh, a little disingenuous marketing uh, speak there. It's like oh, we when they mentioned it, it's like well, you, you sped out your press release. It doesn't really count. Other strange thing: this all exists on the phone already by the same company. Oh, all the uh, games. Oh, I would. I'd be shocked if you told me differently. All the games. You just flip oh, yeah. your phone up like this, and you oh, look yeah. at it, and you start playing the most well, controlled games. At the very least, you know the, the you know the the, the you the know the games works. are there. But yeah, I mean. So and and the only other positive thing I can say about this, as much as I think it's what, silly, has like whack a mole, uh, space pong. Uh, nothing on the uh, website is proclaiming to change the world. Thank you. But it does. It does bring that same bullshit family family together stuff. Uh, yeah, but like, if I'm gonna do like uh, whack a mole with my kids, like that's that's more family friendly than oh, let's play play a 40 year old fucking upgraded Astro Smash. Sure. Yeah, this is at least closer to like you're actually this cart. It's like a cartoon. This is uh, actually like I mean, this really is. Whereas Amico wanted to be seen as the new Wii, this is at least got the. It's going through the motions of being a new Wii. Get it? Motions. Yeah, I didn't even intend that, but there it is. This is a. Be- this is, I can. I can go out of limb. This is a better idea than Amico. I'm not saying this is okay. a grand slam. It's, it's a, a better, better idea. idea. I point- still don't trust it though necessarily. I'm not. What do you trust? The fact that it'll work as well as that advertised. It'll that it'll come out in this form. Yes, because the, the games exist. Okay, that's that's fair. But but the fact that it's like obviously the games work. You know what? I want to try. I'll try space pong and see how that works. <laughs> I'll try and co knockout and high kicks. Oh, oh, oh. thanks, Ian. Sorry, wouldn't be a podcast without it. Um, there you go. There you go. Just, uh, check out the. the is this? On, it's, on, it's just pre-order. It's on Indiegogo. 
Uh, yeah, they're not even doing a, a Kickstarter for this. There's pre-orders, but they don't say anything about the release, I don't believe. So. You get one remote with three buttons. That's all you need. The little playground, little cube with the camera with a magnetic cover for privacy. There you go. They thought about that. I don't, I don't pretend you're spying. I love silly little design uh, things like that. Uh, here you go. Quarter, quarterly play. This is where it's going to get expensive. Quarterly, quarterly play pass is 50 bucks or annual for 90 bucks. You really got to justify like having a good amount of games for Right. That. It gives you access to um, all the games, but they better be good games and there better be a lot of them. This is literally taking... They need to all be sevens out of tens. This is literally taking the app games that exist and Just put them on your TV a yeah. with, with an interface to use it instead of your phone. Like that's, Which we did say was always how Intellivision should have started it if they were going to actually try to make a console. Start with the software. To exist. Yeah, start with start the software. software. That's, all right, all right, all right. Not, this is better. See, I'm getting you. I'm getting you. I mean, that's, I'm getting you. I'm getting you. I'm very team. low bar. I'm getting you. I'm team next. You know, Ian. It's a very low bar. Ian, I'm going to take you for a ride in my car. I'm going to explain it to you. And gonna, you can cut me a check afterwards yeah. to invest. How about yeah. that? Let me give you a fucking handy. What? No, I don't need that. No. Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. You, you can talk about this. I, I read all this. Uh, Tommy Tallarico. Oh, oh, look, I, you can talk about it, apparently. I thought you said. <laughs> yeah, go. I love you. You can talk about it. I, I thought you were going to be like, talk. I, I, uh, I'm just having a time. My brain. Go. <laughs> You're too layered. You need. I, I'll buy you Under Armour. <laughs> get, get, get an Amazon version of Under Armour for 15 bucks. Buy like 10 of them. Uh, okay. I just should do like four shirt changes. <laughs> Jesus super show. Now you see why I ate the I ate the the shirtless burrito thing. I ate because it was hot that day at the at uh, condo country. I feel like you should always have a shirt on when you're eating condo country. Never came before. That's what it was. Um, the good old uh, television uh, thing obviously uh, was a failure scam. We all know that. Uh, Tommy Talrico is still in legal trouble. Trouble uh, to begin with with this Amor furniture lawsuit. The good old furniture leasing company. All that furniture they didn't use. Tommy's on the hook for well over $100,000 on it. And the lawsuit is moving forward. A, a, a date was set uh, for next year, November 12th. It will be trial by judge. No jury. Tommy requested uh, a jury. And obviously the judge is probably like, this is fucking simple. It's contracts. We don't need a goddamn jury for this. Present me the facts and I'll decide it. That's bad news for Tommy because this is going to be open and shut probably. So, this- so it's interesting because... Tommy, Tommy wanted a jury trial. I'm like, he literally asked one. That's just not something that ever happens, which means that Tommy is still narcissistic, egotistical. He has not been taken down a peg. No, I can see him being like, we need a jury. I need a jury of my peers. I need a jury of my peers. He wants a sweet talk. Uh, all, all the jurists. Yeah, no, and that's exactly it. Because if Tommy can't bullshit, Tommy can't fucking win. Sure. Um, so I'm actually surprised that they did not hit them with a summary judgment, which would have been like decide, judge. We have enough. The, facts. the judge just goes, "No, you owe it, and this is what you have to pay." I wonder why the judgment didn't think that that would. Could they still do that beforehand? They could apply for that for the for the summary judgment. The the uh, the prosecution they still could right I think they I th- I uh, I th- I think they can but it basically comes down to either a summary judgment or you have a a trial with no jury 
Oh, that's what's going to happen. That's going to be. Um, and the only thing I can th- I'm surprised that it didn't you go. Can still, I think, yeah, you can still do a summary judgment, I think, up to the point. You can up still, to, so you can ask for you it. You can ask for you it. Can it ask probably for takes it. time to work for the judge to look through it and decide. Because it's not going to do it that day. It's just, so, yeah. but it, this is hilarious to this me because be- obviously more probably would have wanted a summary judgment. The only reason this is probably getting a trial is because Tommy thinks he can fucking sweet well, talk his way out of it. They're going to set a trial for, God, a year and a half almost. Yeah. Because they're, 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 what they're probably going to happen is it gives them time to negotiate. Because so, yes. the judge wants this out of the court. They'll like, settle out of court. I, I, but if not, if they push for a summary judgment, I can't see why a judge wouldn't say, give me the contracts, give me the facts, and I'll just decide. Give me two days to look this over, and I'll decide or whatever. Give me a week and be like, uh, you're paying the money back. Well, my guess so. is that Amore is probably pushed for the summary contract or summary judgment because that, that would make the most sense for the business. Yes. They don't want this to drag out. And they're not going to lose. No, I mean, they're not. They're gonna, they're not. Tommy's no. going to owe some money. Yes. Tommy is not going to be waived of his responsibilities here. We already went through his fucking claims that were absolutely absurd. So the ju- according to the, the comments on the, the Reddit, uh, F1 Mid Boss says it seemed that his lawyer got a small victory in avoiding an immediate summary judgment. Right. But you, you can still. Well, that's what I mean. Him. Like that. I'm sorry. That's kind of what I mean. Like the judge being like, there's no reason for this to go any further. Judgment. Yeah. It's probably it's, it gives him time to set up back and forth negotiations. Come on. Let's settle this shit. This is like ridiculous. But push comes to shove. There's no way in hell Tommy will will win this if this went to uh, a trial. No, like no, I mean no way. No, no way. This is going to happen. Uh, just another grift. But he can get that video games live money, I guess, and put it against his uh, settlement there because he's not because he's obviously not putting that money uh, towards paying back pre-orders or the investors. Ian, yes, we yes. had a a pretty big study happen. Big big. That's twice. Uh, big, this big episode news. really bringing the big big. That's Jeez. that's it. That's you have, it. You have too much energy for being multi layered, and and I can feel the heat emanating. I know, I know. That's what um, you've said that to me before. Everyone says it. I'm a, I'm a little fucking heater. So <laughs> cold, gather around. So the video game history foundation. Uh, I, yeah, I thought I was starting this one. <laughs> I will lead you into it. They they came out with a a landmark study that made big waves on the internet. And with uh, social media and, and every gaming website, I saw a report on it one way or, in, in, or another, and I'll get to that in a, in a second, called 87% Missing the Disappearance of Classic Video Games. New study reveals most classic video games are completely unavailable uh, by our pal Kelsey Lewin. So uh, Kelsey is the one who wrote this part. I'm sure, I, I, uh, and I believe she wrote the article. She didn't do all the, the yeah. I believe research. Phil Salvador did uh, most of the research. His name is on that paper. Well, uh, no, lots of people did research. Lots of volunteers. Everyone uh, was in on it. But I believe Phil Salvador was the one who wrote the we'll actual the actual um, study. study. So Kelsey uh, writes this. Now, first thing I want to say real quick is uh, it's it's a big study. It's 47 pages. If you read the actual one, there are multiple layers to this. If you want information, gamehistory.org has an overview. Then there's an explanation article that will help you go through it. And then there's the actual study. So you can kind of decide how deep you want to get into this. Sure. So what this study aimed to do, the study had one specific um, goal. And the goal was to basically have something, as far as I can tell, basically have something that anyone can point to <coughs> the next time this gets in front of Congress or something like that. Copyright office. Copyright office. Yeah. Because the video game industry has said endlessly over and over that they are doing enough 
to protect their history and they don't need uh, a library or anything like that because they are concerned about uh, they don't want copyright exceptions in place. They are concerned about uh, it affecting bottom line. Um, and their main excuse, which has been bought by Congress, is that they're doing enough for it. And Congress goes, oh, OK, and writes it off. So this study is, uh, you know, it was was designed to directly show the next time that comes up that there is clear evidence that the video game industry is not doing nearly anything in terms of, um, you know, backing up historical games and uh, preserving them. Uh, the study does not purport to have a solution. Uh, they want that to be discussed further. Their main goal is to simply be able to go, no, you're wrong, and this is how this, wrong you are. The scope of this study was to show commercial availability of past games. Yes. Of so, before 2010, I believe. Before it is. It's before um, 2010. So, they want to, so basically the, the goal was it has to be available, and it could be, di- it could be physical. Physical. It doesn't have to be digital, sure. but it has to be. Available to purchase from the rights holder now. Now, as Um, of I think as of like April. (laughs) So when the study was written up, sure. And they mentioned that many times. Sure. Um, So could be a could be a digital re-release. It could be like uh, Antstream Arcade, uh, which we'll talk about that in a bit. It could be any any way it's legally available to play. So the top layer here is. you know, is, is the basic information that I think most people are going to want to see, the most eye-grabbing information. And here are some of the things that the study pointed out. 13% of video games are currently being recommend, uh, um, uh, represented in the marketplace. No period in any time of game history uh, defined in the study even cracked 20% representation. Now, I want to point out real quick that the highest, because I think this might come up later when I discuss things, or you and I discuss things, uh, is 1990 to 1994. That is the highest level of representation, but it's still under 20%. Um, What's interesting to me is you look at stuff like 95 to 99, and it's lower than that earlier period. But this makes sense because the 90 to 94 period is where a lot of nostalgia lies. It's where a lot of the Nintendo system nostalgia lies. Uh, It's a lot of the re-releases on Nintendo platforms, um, 16-bit games constantly getting remade. It makes sense well, to me that this era is where it's you, is where it's most if represented. You, if you right include now. the mini consoles, yes, well, like yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's there's no shortage yeah, of that the, the stuff. Six, in early 16-bit era. Yeah, at least yeah. for the, the the titles that are well-known marquee titles, there's a pretty good representation. Switch Online, you know, you have all the re-release packages, like you're saying, yes, all, yeah. Um, so. They say availability is low across every platform. Libraries and archives can digitally preserve, but not digitally share video games right now. That is a, that's an issue. Uh, and they bring up great points on that later. Like if you need to research a game that is hard to find and that game takes you 20 hours, that includes air travel. Uh, that includes lodging, people taking care of kids. It's just, it's just not, it's just not a, a it's not a real solution. It's not um, feasible. Yes. If, if you don't want to go, you know, if you want to do the piracy route or buy it yourself. Well, and that's what we're talking about. Yes. I mean, specifically, we're talking about how we're talking about this in the most so, legal research oriented way, because they don't they even say as a last resort, they resort to ROMs. But no one really wants to do that. They would rather have this, you know, centralized within a sure. system. Um, sure. I'll, let me just give a, a quick caveat on on what the study actually. Well, you know, I was. 
about to go oh, into oh, that. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so the study is a random sample of 1,500 games across history. Uh, from t- that's one aspect 27, of 27,627. This is console only. This is 1,500 games. Uh, go. Uh, Pre-2010. That's 1,000. So that that is the attempt to take care of a, a broader picture. Uh, they pick three different... They, they created three different ecosystems. Um, there is sub, the... Sub-ecosystem. Sub, sub, sub yes. There is an abandoned ecosystem. And for that, they chose the Commodore 64. 64. For the neglected ecosystem, they chose the Game Boy, and I think that's perfect. And then for uh, the uh, active ecosystem, uh, PS2. I think that's also uh, a, a, a great system to focus on because that is kind of where the PlayStation 2 era or system is where that's where Nintendo and Super Nintendo enthusiasm was really at five, six years ago when everything was getting re-released. Now we're okay. getting all the Grand Theft Auto games. We're getting all these games that are coming out. So it makes sense. It's a more modern choice, I think. Sure. Um, the Game Boy uh, segment used all the entire Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance library. Every single game they studied for that one. Um, so, so, the, the, so they picked Game Boy, says, uh, which includes Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Yep. Uh, they, they said in quotes, neglected ecosystem with uh, demonstrable commercial interest but declining availability. Did, you read, you read uh, this. Did they explain what, what, what their criteria was for the commercial interest level? Was that explained uh, explicitly? Uh, it is I, explained explicitly in the forty-seven. Pa- Let me see if I can pull. I, I'll, that up. I'll, I'll do it while you talk. I'll, I'll control F it uh, because I, I that I missed when I was skimming it. So they definitely talked about what I, I don't exactly recall the PlayStation Two. I think it's because it's uh, frankly that's just obvious. I'm sure they they probably discussed it. C sixty four. They discussed. They went out of their way. I feel like to discuss Game Boy, and they did that because Game Boy is a great choice. But I don't know that everyone's going to see it right away. And Game Boy is an amazing choice for it because it shows how even modern preservation attempts left to video game companies Mm -hmm. falls short because nothing is permanent. The Game Boy, uh, um, I think uh, just for amusement's sake, the TurboGrafx-16 would be another one to look at. The Game Boy is interesting to look at because on the Wii U, or on the Wii, the Wii U and the 3DS, the eShop, there were multiple games that were available. Okay. And when the eShop shut down, okay, th- they lost they lost over half of the available Game Boy titles. I think that's why that's why they said I think that's the reason why they picked it because because they used they used to have a lot of Game Boy games on virtual console on the Wii U, they're available 3DS, right? Yeah, I, so I mean I think all why... of these so it's it's really great because you have the worldwide one to just kind of get like a base idea. C64 is truly <laughs> like a, an abandoned ecosystem and that's another one that shows where things like ant stream arcade so whereas game boy is in- impressive because it shows what happens when something leaves I, c64 is interesting because there is a presence but it's all in like one or two areas it's in ant stream and like the c64 mini I th- that, that's what i was trying to get at i wanted to say what how they defined high interest because it's not very it's not defined explicitly and i think that's what they're saying well we can show there was interest because 15 years ago they were on these ecosystems obviously nintendo was making money on the virtual console on the 3ds selling them and now they're not uh, which I'd have to get into the, the nuts and bolts of, but that's at least, I guess, the mindset of why that's a high interest system. The, that's the, all. The nuts uh, and bolts made my mind buzz. I, um, I, I really loved reading like some of that nitty gritty shit, but so, I think that's partially because of my current job. I'm interested to know, uh, just from a, obviously you have a limited uh, 
limited uh, man hours and power to because they, they literally are checking Moby games. They have, they got a ra- this is how they did this. They got a random, completely random sample of games based upon these criteria from Moby Games themselves. Said here's a, here's a list of the games. Yep. Now you have to now manually check if these are commercially available now. So this means you literally have to check each game to see. Okay, you gave me a list of 200 games. Maybe I'm assigned 200 games on the team. You have to check to see if they're available. That's how they did this. I'm interested. I'd be interested to ask why or know why, looking at this, why they decided it was necessary to do every single Game Boy game. Right? They, they, they did 100% of the population for that. Because for, you can make it extremely accurate. I, I think the reason uh, is is because it makes that segment extremely accurate. And oh, it's absolutely. Specific, yes. but, and, it's, and they wanted that segment, I think, and I haven't talked to them about this, but I think they wanted that segment extremely accurate because they can get a very precise number of how these things fall apart. Sure. Because I, because the num I think the number that's really important there is prior because they did do it prior to the closing of those those the e-shops they um they did a percentage availability if you include everything that was in the e-shop and it was like 16.7 percent or something representation when the e-shop closed down they lost 6.7 or something leaving only 5.6 remaining and that's a number that i think really needs to people need to see sure i'm just saying from looking at this overall i would have loved to have seen uh, obviously, there's man hours involved. More of the overall historical game sample size increase because that because it's only about what is that six percent, seven percent of the overall population. I would have loved to have seen that bumped up to at least ten percent, just from my perspective, to be a little more accurate. That's all. Well, I'm so here's I, I, here's my thing with sure. that. I, I get it. When I first saw it, I was like, I wish they had done two thousand, two thousand five hundred. Yeah. But you're always going to want more. And sure. while it would have been more exhaustive, it wouldn't have proven the point any better. Well, it could have, the way they break it down here, which I'll get into, is they'd also break it down by decades. Um, and when you get to the 70s, um, the sample size for the 70s is extremely small. Sure. So it's unreliable like, to, well, to, to talk about that. Yes, that but I, uh, like, I guess what my point is, like I said, it makes it more exhaustive, and it makes it more interesting so per decade, but, but it's not going to change the, the outcome of the study, mm-hmm. and it's the outcome that matters the most. Sure, but let me just talk about, when they go over the results on page 27... This is where it stands out because they go over, they break these up into five-year segments like you pointed out before. So from 1970 to 74, there was only 17 games in that sample with zero games. Like the odds of getting a game from the 70s and only 17 games to be released is so small. In the late 70s, 112, 75 to 79, only one. So what I'm saying is, I would like to see those numbers maybe bolstered more, I, be I a little abs- more accurate. Because it's, it's literally not ze- like less than 1% or 0%. It's like, I'm sure you can find them somewhere re-released. It's just we have to expand it a little more. I, I, un- I understand. For example, I, but- for example, we know Pong's been re-released recently on Atari 50. It's not 0% any game from 74. That's all I'm saying. It's not. But uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 the, the goal was not to do it entirely. It was to make the point. I, sure. I, what I, what, I, I guess the only thing, I, when I saw it and I was looking at it, and obviously it probably changes some stuff. I was like, uh, and I, I did not do this work, but so, so I hats off to them. I would have looked at something like that. The only thing I noticed is I will, I looked at something like, and I would have been like, Moby games, give me a random 10. Mo- I, give me another 10. Fill, fill this segment out. Just, Give me 20. I would have done a sub-study and just bolstered up well, these smaller... That's what I... I would have been... Because, for example, Atari 50 has literally a couple of dozen of games released on that fitting in some of these categories that... It, it, yes, it, but... You know what I mean? That's I, all. I, but when you look at that, a lot of them aren't going to be available. Some are going to they be are available. available. Though. That's what I mean, though. 
a lot of them aren't. Some will be. The point is, it's above zero percent. That's all I'm saying. But it would still be in yeah, the lowest. It could be, it could be it would 1%, still be in the lowest percentile. It could be two. It could be three. It could be and four. that one or two or three does not affect the outcome of the study. For interest reasons, I would like to know it, but that was not the point of the study. It's in the res- it's in the results, though. That's yes. what I'm saying. It's in the results. They broke it out over <laughs> five year periods. That's all. Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. I love to see that. I love to see them go down because there's not a huge amount of games that existed in you know 65 to 69, 70 to 74. You could have done more than 17 for that period you could have done more that's all i'm saying uh because because it's not because even though it's randomized when you look at uh the time periods um like 269 games between 994 225 between 95 99 well, there's I, bigger I, representation i would but i would have loved to to see for some of these groups to be a little bit you know what i mean like 89 to 80 for, for some reason there's 219 to 80 to 84 versus only 169 in 85 to 89 well so, random is random Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I want to see him fudge it a little more with some of these populations, just to, just to. So I, when I see that, it, it looks, it looks more dramatic than what it is. That's all. Sure. You want to talk about Commodore 64? That's your, that's your. I that's trust the, I trust the, uh, the data people they got. But yes, I, I understand. Do I want to talk about Commodore 64? No, not really. I don't think I, ne- <laughs> I don't think I need to go into that specifically, other than to say, yeah. I, I, I love the Commodore 64 Game Boy, um. You know, those I love those in there because, like I said, Commodore 64 right now has very little representation, but the representation it does have is because of streaming and micro consoles. Mm-hmm. Game Boy had a larger representation, but the reason it has that representation, the representation it does now is because it lost various streaming and digital release, digital distribution methods. Um, I the Commodore, yeah, I, I, I just that's in the Commodore 64. You could extrapolate that to just about any other system in that era, or a lot of them. I would oh, say. Oh, sure. You're not going to find a lot of re-releases officially of like you know ZX Spectrum games, right? You know stuff like that, like the little like the things that weren't like they didn't have like a legacy outside of a certain little time period. Like why would why would you still think about those 25 years later when there's no other products? You know what I mean? To continue the yeah. legacy. But Game Boy proved a point within a point. So I think that one was perfect. And then PlayStation 2 just makes sense to me following games. I mean, you see that stuff getting released everywhere. And the other reason... Oh, that was the thing. You were looking at it. That was the reason. The reason they considered um, Sony also high activity or or high... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, It was was neglected. High interest. High interest is because um, Sony, since PS3, PS3 had backwards compatibility. Then there was digital PS2 games. PS4 had all of that. Now everything's on streaming. So, you know, not only are there remakes of games, but there are easy ways to play a lot of that right now. Sure. Um, Okay. So, obviously, if if this comes up to... uh, like you said, Congress again, copyright office. It's going to be the ESA versus the interest of uh, libraries that want some form of digital preservation available for this. But there's uh, yeah, uh, and now the now the data now is there to 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 count, counteract uh, the smooth talking. Sure, sure. Um, so that brings that, so that that hopefully gets you to a point where okay, in a legal sense, I can go and download. Say I'm doing a study. And, I, and obviously, the ESA is afraid that it would just be like archive.org, where you just want to download stuff to play. All you got to, well, uh, they, they say that, but I think it's also greed because all you have to do is look at modern library, libraries. You can go and rent video games at a modern library. You yes. can't stream them. 
You can rent digital movies. You can rent at some. You can rent digital books. You can rent all of this stuff sure. that that someone out there could still be making money on. Sure. So I don't really so, see any difference. Well, with the digital <laughs> digital stuff, from what I saw, the, well, they limit it. Yeah, it's like whatever five a month. You can get five movies a month because it's like cause well, and there are certain amount like yes. uh, with uh, I know with uh, like ebooks, they're they, they can only check out certain numbers at a time. Sure. So this seems like you know the way to go. The argument uh, playing the devil's advocate. This is what the ESA would say, and, and it, it's somewhat reality. Uh, the book books and and uh, movies are a linear experience. In terms of like you watch them, I, I know this was going to come. I, 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 I know, saying, I know, but this is the it's argument. ridiculous. The, it's not well. It's it's for it's the form though, the medium. You read a book once, you're not going to read that book every single day. Like you're done with it for the most part. Yeah, I'll read it like once a year. I'll read uh, Great Expectations, but Great Expectations to me is Great Expectations to you in terms of the words on the page. A but, video game is an interactive medium, so it's more infinitely experienceable. But why does that, that matter if you're renting a game from a library for a set period of time digitally? It doesn't. I'm just saying that's what they're going to say. Sure, but it's bullshit because because it because the library experience does not affect that at all it's sure. still renting something to and, and the thing is and we're already getting into areas where we're talking about people who just want to play games the study specifically states in many points that they are doing this from the uh the vantage point of research and history they are not that i mean, i think they purposely avoided talking about libraries and the greater consumer availability so, of games for that so, reason so this goes this gets to a higher point about about when we talk about uh, i guess Looking at history, what what are you actually doing? Because um, this actually this honestly just came up recently. It, what I was involved with, uh, in a little bit of a way. Our pal Norm, gaming historian, just did an excellent uh, retrospective on the Fair Trial Channel left. Right. Mm -hmm. To do that video and to do all his videos properly, he buys the real hardware. You know, he experiences them on, on the actual hardware uh, to play it. I actually shipped him. My Fairchild yeah. Channel Lips. I, I shipped him my uh, Model 1 and Model 2. I'm not saying he played them on all, but at least he wanted to photograph them and have them there and <laughs> the cards properly. Um, so that will, you will always, always, in terms of education, in terms of like real experience that you're going to need to have some access to real hardware somewhere. For some of it, yes, but there are plenty of research applications where you don't. No. I, yes. But in terms of this is my next point, but in terms of passing on the true experience of playing the games the way they were and obviously when they were created, something close to the real hardware is needed with the actual something close to resembling the real controllers. If you have a CRT, great, or something that could resemble it, that like that's the experience that we're looking to pass on, and this is what what. I mean, I, I get it, but I just I don't I don't think many applications of why people would need this would absolutely require that experience. There are things that I think would require that experience, but I don't I, think I'm everything saying this does. is I'm, what I'm saying is uh, having digital repositories that are legal to access this that gets you researchers. Great, I can get all this stuff without uh, going online and paying lots of money, or I can. Say they have qualms about downloading them illegally. I'm sure some people do. I don't know. Yes, that's great. Uh, but you, you still have a, a long term. And I talked about this with uh, with Kelsey. I talked to her about this. I was trying to get her to sign off on this, co-sign this. About this gets you. This solves one problem: research. Right. Uh, 
the next that that and that's great. The, the next wave would be okay. Long term, how do we get to a point where we have a fundamental way to pass on the knowledge and experience of these past consoles and games to the next generations, right? Because that's what we're really talking about. That's really the end game. The end I, game- I honestly don't think it's going to matter that much. I really, I mean, I understand. I, I personally, I mean, I, there's a reason why I have thousands of dollars of PC Engine games okay. in an original okay. system. You're cutting up before my, my point. So uh, I just don't think it's right. I don't think for most people that's going to matter. In terms of what? In terms of like having the original controller and the original hardware. I'm not saying everyone has to own that. That's what I'm going to say. You're, you're literally cutting off to my point. So this is what I would like to see um, in terms of like long term. This is what I and this is not something for just the Video Game History Foundation to try to address. This is something larger uh, to happen because the fundamental issue is this. How do we how do we not force people to care? How do we educate and integrate these past video game experiences to the, the the following generations. So a hundred years from now, can a child that's six years old wearing his you know silver futuristic um, Twilight Zone jumpsuit? How do we make them care to know about the existence of something like the Fairchild Channel F? Like, will that even matter at that point? So the only thing you can do is hope that educationally. And in terms of um, we have a structured way and it has to be structured or it will be lost a structured way of handing down this knowledge to, to next generations. Well, sir, and, we got to get here. And this is what I discussed. And this is what I think should be the game plan going forward. But this is going to be a lot of uh, not just um willpower, it's going to take a lot of work and organization to do it. And I'm not sure off the top of my head how to do it. I just know this is the, sort of the foundation I would lay, uh, would lay. You have to get at the academic side. You have to uh, look at accreditation program, programs for library science programs and information science. You have to let them know that, this, that video game history has to be included in your curriculum. You have to have like, hey, you want, to, you want to graduate with a library science degree? You have to have a course about video game history included. And these are the benefits why. These are what your patrons at your future libraries and universities, these, these are the things they want to learn about. They're going to want to learn about the Atari 2600. They're going to learn about the Fairchild Channel. They're going to learn, want to learn about the NES because eventually the NES is going to be non-existent in people's eyes. They're, it's going to be 100 years from now. Look at this stupid thing that's here. I'm like like closer to it than than than. Further. You see my point, though. Yeah. So the point is, you have to lay the foundation now for these people that are coming up now and getting these jobs and running all your local libraries, running your university research centers. This has to be like a web that develops now, so that twenty years from now, ten years from now, you start to see the fruits of the labor, where you have workshops, you have things at every local library, where it's set up for that they that this so that. 20 years from now, the way we go to every library now and we see renting movies, renting music, that's how it should be for video games where it exists in a space there. And these physical buildings, there are tens of thousands of them. We have to get into there. That's the way I see it. Because then we have a six-year-old 20 years from now, there's at least a chance that they can be exposed to all this old shit that we grew up with. That's that's what libraries are for. Yeah, that's that's that to me is 
the end game that I think we can eventually get to in a perfect world. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's model trains, whether it's old toys, it'll all be lost eventually, unless there's a concerted effort to expose people to it and make it fun. Because well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, but we're getting there. We've got we've got the strong museum of play. I mean, video game history foundation exists to push that that information out there. I'm just telling you the method. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think I think that's how I think that's fairly obvious. It's just it's you got to make sure that there are academic programs just like there are for literature and movies sure. to cover games. I don't think that's that's anything anyone disagree with. I just that's way outside the scope of the study. Uh, 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 yes, but so but the scope of the study is to you know if you're if you're trying to eventually get to the point where people have access to this stuff that they can look at and play. What I'm talking about is well that's great, but if people aren't interested enough to do it. It's going to be sort of like uh, not a fool's errand, but we need the people 25 years from now to want to be able to want to use those resources that will be available. We can't get to that point without this happening first. That's what I'm saying. Uh, to, to make people care about video games and still have them be impossible to access doesn't serve anything. When, well, we, when we get to the, you get to this point, you get to the point where someone ha where, where, where you get a digital library, it's much easier to get people to care if they can pick it up. It would be impossible to make people well, to care about, about literature if they couldn't pick up a book and read it. Sure, but they still so you to, have to have, but it. they still have to know the, the, that those games and what they are and what they do. That's my point. Yes, so, like, but that's like, again, that's, that's for other people in other places. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's, the, that's the end game. Sure. That's the end game. Oh, yeah. I think, like, I think that's what so, everyone would want. So, like, so something like Norm doing a Fairchild Channel F video, which, like, that will get the word out to, you know, uh, that will get the word out to so many, potentially so many, more, so many more people that ever played the Fairchild Channel F will hopefully eventually see Norm's video about it and learn more about it. But what I'm saying is, imagine that being built into all the curriculums for the people coming up that will be managing libraries, where it's like, like that's going to be if that's required, then the impetus then will be like, well, I have to have this available. I have to make this part of this experience because, again, it should be alongside movies. I, I see what books. you're saying, but I, I feel like yes. we're we're on different sides of a chicken or an egg argument. And that's all. Oh, I don't see this chicken. Or egg. I, I see it as a chicken, a chicken and a, and a rooster. Yeah, I see. It. I see it as they have to be side by side. Okay, right. I think this was a good segment we did. Let's cut it off now before we start. <laughs> you know, talking about omelets, divulging <laughs> into all sorts of other places. I do kind of want an omelet. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by RexMD. Guys, I know it can be a hassle to go to the doctor. First, you have to make an appointment, then you got to drive there, you got to go to the reception, and sometimes there are certain issues that you may not be comfortable telling your MD. But here's the thing most men's health issues have really simple solutions, and RexMD is all about simple solutions. RexMD makes getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything's online, even the prescription, and they deliver to your door. There's no office visits, no talking to a receptionist. It's super simple. Viagra can cost around $90 a pill, but RexMD has generic Viagra for as low as just $2 a pill. All you do is fill out a quick medical questionnaire on their website, and a doctor will review your situation and prescribe you generic Viagra if appropriate. Your medication gets shipped right to your door with free two-day shipping. It's fast, simple, and cheap, and you can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime that you need to afterwards. RexMD has helped over 300,000 guys get generic Viagra quickly and conveniently. And RexMD just works, and it works the very first night. 
Act now. Take advantage of their deal by heading to rexmd.com slash CU podcast. Our exclusive deal will save you up to 95% off, which is as low as $2 per dose on generic Viagra instead of $90 plus on Viagra. Starter packs of generic Viagra or Cialis are now available for our listeners to get started. That's rexmd.com slash CU podcast for up to 95% off plus a free gift. Your partner will thank you. Patrick, since you stole my thunder on the intro uh, for that one, I'm going to introduce this one. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Heritage Auctions recently had another auction, and you know... Really? They did? Heritage Auctions had another auction? auction? And you know we love to cover them, so take it away, Patrick. You know we love covering uh, inflated bubble markets. That's what we do on the CU Podcast. Pr- proud to do that since, since since 2013. We're one month away from our real 10th anniversary, by Oh, my way. God, that Mahjong is fucking thrashed um yes so they just did another event the reason i knew about it because i get the cards in the mail and i saw something i i that i thought i maybe used to own but i, I could be wrong but i own something very similar that i'll get into but i think i know who owned this mahjong cart and i'm not even fucking the person joking. we both know uh yeah because it's got a lift in the same corner well, I mean, them. maybe that, that probably I don't think this is their auction. I think they got rid of it a while oh, back. They sold it. But I think they I think that's the one they had because I think theirs was boxed. Sure. Anyway, um, so this auction was just and I just I just closed my window by accident. I had it open. Good job. I was distracted. This auction went off recently. And from the the main takeaways we're getting into the the big boys, we'll start with. Then we'll look at potential, I guess you want to say, uh, trends or things that stood out. Uh, first, this was literally Ian just at Comic Con the past e- weekend because uh, you know th- I'd say since 2018, so when I first started seeing uh, graded video games at Comic Con, it was yeah, it was, I think about 2018, That's about right? 18 or 19. Uh, it was 18. Um, started seeing them. I saw an NWC cart there, a 5.0, a gray one, and the person. I, I love it. I still can't believe we fucking rate those. I just love it. I guess looking back in my life, I guess at this point, it's weird when I have someone that works for an auction house, when I walk up, I go, hey, Pat, what's going on? And I'm like, what? Do you know me? Do we meet before? <laughs> and um, so we talked about the NWC, the 5.0. It's obviously uh, beat up. A lot of them are. They were used. The label was re-glued back on because a lot of them, they're, they're folding off the top, things like that. So this went for, with the premium, it went for, I don't have it open, god damn it. Uh, was it 63000 63000 I have to sign in. Why do you make me sign in to see auctions? $63,000 it went for for the gray. Um, so I guess what to me that means that there's not many, there's only a couple that are probably in like a lot worse shape. The ones that don't have labels would be. But the I one think, that has Mario written on it. Which I saw in person in uh, Missouri before the pandemic. I, have, I, like, I yeah. have literally zero interest in ever owning an NWC, but if I did, you want the that's Mario the one? one I'd want. So the funny thing is, is, I think this is sort of like establishing, even though I hate it, the different grades and what they can get. Because a nicer one has gone for uh, over 100000 or around sure. 100000 And I guess like the lower grades will go for around whatever this is establishing the bottom of the market. Uh, you know, around here, you want to say around fifty thousand dollars, things like that. The pre-auction estimate, I think, was actually fifty thousand dollars that they had at Comic Con. Uh, was that? Uh, I did talk to the person at Comic Con. Uh, they had the representative about you know you hear anything about a gold one coming up, and he said no, haven't heard one. And I was just like, okay, that's really going to be the test that I guess everyone's going to have their eye on if if it actually happens anytime soon. Sure, but I guess people aren't in a rush that are they don't need the money that have them, so I don't know. 
Uh, so anyway, there's that. Uh, what's the next one here I have on here? The, the Mahjong. Ian's, Ian's Grail. Says Ian's Mr. Mahjong. One of two grails. This this is probably my grail. Um, well, I'd prefer the PC Engine Mahjong game that only has like thirteen copies. But um, yeah, the Mahjong one is interesting. So this is the end. Uh, the Mahjong cart for the Hong Kong Famicom. Um, and that's a neat system because it was uh. They they came in uh, light gray Nintendo style cartridges instead of the smaller uh, Famicom cartridges. Well, it's an NES. Yeah, it's just the Hong Kong NES. <clears throat> well, yeah, exactly. It, but it's just interesting to me that they chose to go with that exact form factor. I figured something in Asia might have used the Japanese form factor. Um, also, the boxes are really short. I think the boxes are super cool. Yeah, they're cute. They're like the size of the cartridge. They kind of look like a Game Boy box, but, you know, a little bit bigger. They're adorable. I forget if I own a box of that or not. I forget. Or I'm, I don't know. I anyway, this is one of the rarest. Uh, this is rarer than a stadium event. Yeah, this is extraordinarily um, rare. And I don't know what the print run was. I had trouble tracking down when I did the first, uh, did the guidebook, what year it actually came out. Uh, because it because it's like copyright eighty three. That's when the Famicom came out. There was no there was no uh, Asian NES version until probably at least eighty seven, eighty eight, or around there. Right. So it's like because that did not come out the same time it came out when it was test marketed in the U S. So it's it's very really an interesting mystery why this came out just there. And that's it, and didn't come out in any other part of the well, world. Well, because Mahjong uh, is incredibly popular sure. in, 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 in China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Japan, and they all play uh, different. That, what's interesting to me, though, is this is Ricci Mahjong, not to get real nerdy, but that was a fairly recent rule set at the time that the oh, game right, was originally released. So it's not in a 83, In 83, I think, uh, was when the original came out. I think Ricci Mahjong grew, got popular in, like, 78. Here's the thing. That's not the Mahjong that they play everywhere else. Sure. Ricci has become popular because it's been focused on in anime and manga and stuff. But what's interesting to me is I can imagine being a person who if I was a person in, say, China or Hong Kong and I bought this play, ready to play Mahjong. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And maybe that's why it sold poorly. Well, we didn't. We, we were, were burrowing the lead. So this went for uh, what does it go for? I, why, why can't the numbers come up here? Twelve thousand dollars. And these obviously include the, the buyer's premium. $12,000, and it's not even complete. It doesn't have the manual. Nope, it's box, and that's right. Box is, and a beat-up. This, this is it. This is the one. He had two. He had two. He had a loose one that was in nicer condition, and I believe a box complete one so that he that the, he kept like this. That was in worse condition. Sold this one. You think? Oh, well, I don't know. If, I don't know if this is their actual auction. It's not because it's not graded. It's just offered no. as is. Um, I'm, which is interesting. Yeah, because that box was. Be- I'm pretty sure that's this. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, because you're now getting you're now getting ungraded things showing up in heritage auctions more, which is good because you don't need everything fucking graded. Yeah, absolutely not. Especially something like this rare. So that was interesting. I was interesting to see that because like that's actually should go for that amount. There's very few things where I say that it should go for that money. This thing is so rare that it sh- should go for that amount of money. Yeah, this is one of those things where like I feel for like true, that's true actually collector. a pretty reasonable price to a true collector. Uh, th- I mean, that, not for me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, if I was a crazy person and w- so wanted to, like, complete, like, a true NES worldwide set, that would be the hard one to get. That'd be the hardest one to, to get out of all the other Asian, because there are Asian uh, NES versions and Hong Kong ones that, like, you can find them with yep. some looking. Mm-hmm. This one you cannot, obviously. So that was interesting. Yeah, this was this was this is a rarity among semi rarities. Yes, like it's it's not often when you say this is harder to find in a stadium events. 
cart for commercial use. I, I mean, I yeah. remember reading somewhere people said it was probably the hardest NES related game to find um, out that was officially released. Next one is really strange because I think it was a misbid. Uh, a Legend of Zelda complete in box. First print run, first production, $28,800. I would be shocked if that's paid for or if that was a either either it was a, either it was a it was a false bid or someone really fucked up because sir there's uh, I don't even think someone shill bidding would do that. Like that that to me looks like a cuz it has the cellophane <laughs> around up. it but it was opened up. They yep. probably said they probably saw cellophane E and didn't say, "Oh, that's probably They're like, sealed. wow, that's real low." <laughs> yeah, I, wow, the last one, the last one went for a hundred thousand dollars. I'm buying I'm gonna, this, yeah. and I think they fucked up. And this is the problem with heritage auctions, unfortunately, where you don't know what actually gets, doesn't get paid for. And you right. know, talking from Sean from Reserves Investments, if something doesn't sell, you might never see it ever even even offered again because people recognize, hey, that's the same one. Someone's fucked up. You might never see this again. Right. I own one of these. It's on nine point four, but it's in great shape. You can find these. Uh, they're not hard to find a first print run of a Legend of Zelda. They're always on eBay. Like if you go on eBay, you probably see a bike now for several hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, and someone just spent uh, twenty eight thousand dollars on one. This Luna is- had one recently. I don't remember what the price was, but it, it it wasn't even that high. Of course, because it's a, it's a a very particular particular collector wants not just a Legend of Zelda box, but cares about the first print run. This is not gonna like I like. If it's not someone trying to create like a first print run Legend of Zelda market, because most people, even the people that are speculators, be like, this is ridiculous. Like, this isn't like you can find these things. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a 9.4, but like you can find them. There's one on my shelf. I mean, they're not that hard to find. So that was interesting. The first time I seen something, I was like, at first I said, oh, that's a, I was trying to compare the sealed ones, you know, previously, because I said, oh, maybe the last one's $100,000. I'm like, oh, this isn't sealed. Someone just fucked up. So I was just like, oh, that could be funny to talk about with Ian, right? Yeah. Right. Do you think that one was entertaining to talk about? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why I jumped in and said it was funny and said that when okay. I had one recently I, I, for cheaper. I, I, I need your approval. I feel like you yelled at me in the last segment. <laughs> I didn't uh, yell at you in the last you, segment. You got, you got, we got into a heated discussion. I mean, it wasn't even heated. It was just good. It was lively. It was back and forth. It was lively. It was fresh. It was fizzy. The next one is Nintendo Power issue number one, like like a traditional magazine or comic book that was graded. Uh, this is a CGC. They are the kings of doing the magazine and, uh, you know, comic book stuff. And what was the grade on this one? 9.6. 9.6. 9. Okay. So this is like fresh fresh out of your vanilla envelope you would have got it mailed to you because they printed a fucking million of these and mailed them to every kid that had a fun club card like me. So this isn't even the harder to find variant that says free, you know, free issue. It says free poster inside. So that's the one I have. I, still, I literally still have my first one. I think it's over there by the Genesis games. So twenty six four. I know in recent years these have been more coveted, uh, but yeah. this is obviously super speculative for something like this because, like, obviously you can find these issue ones everywhere. Obviously, the higher grade will be tough to find, but I have to imagine that some higher grades of these are out there, and someone still has these or, or gobbled these up orig- originally because they printed a lot of these. Um, so sure, that's the thing. It's obviously grade matters. It's the grade in the case, and also that thought that we will get to a point where this will be. I, yeah, this will. This not, person is either they want to sit on this and see what happens, and I don't. Well, literally, think, is they correct the no, case, and I don't think they care. I don't think they cared about the money they spent either. This was purely a let's find out. It could be a vanity thing too. It's like, yes. oh, I want to get the highest graded copy. They probably didn't realize this isn't even the, the harder version to find. I don't know. Um, I don't know how they how they divvy that out. Anyway. So that was interesting to me. 
so I thought originally the next one I used to own, and I think I did not. So that so this went for thirteen thousand two hundred. This went for a bit more than I thought. Oh, I, I thought you said this was an orange one, a red one. It's not. Oh, okay, the that the one that you got that rid red. of was. was yes. Okay. So this is a an unopened action set, NES action set. Zapper, the Super Mario Duck Hunt combo came out. You know, uh, what was that? It came out late eighty seven. I think the fall of 87, they started doing those. Um, 13,200. And when I first saw this, I thought, Ian, the little mark on the bottom looks very familiar to the one on my... I don't know if you remember. I remember you that. even telling you, I think I'd know the mark if you sent it yeah. to me. But yeah, the, the red gray, is that's the clear giveaway. So I used to own... So this was supposedly not open in terms of like the flap wasn't even open. I guess they use a uh, like a blacklight to see if like there's a little crease or something or any discolor. Because cause when you bought these, these were not like sealed up. Mm-mm, no, they were in a box. You, you, in a box. Bet, you open the flap and you open them. So I had a red one, a red uh, gun action set, red zapper one. I got the swap meet for probably like 40 bucks. And I bought it probably like 2011. You really think it's more red than orange? Orange, red, whatever. I'm just curious. I'm colorblind. No, I'm literally it's, asking no, you because I, I don't really know. I guess people, some people, it's, it's orange. Okay. It's orange, reddish. Um, so I had one and I had trouble selling mine. This is what makes it so funny. I had trouble selling mine. Mine, obviously, I opened up and I looked at it, but everything in the baggies, not touched. You saw it. Yeah. So the new system smell. I had trouble selling that at the SoCal Retro Gaming auction that I ran uh, and helped auction off crap back in 2017. <laughs> Was it was the one in uh, Ontario? So I didn't go. To, I didn't go to the first one, so it was 2017. 2017. I think I got only 300 for mine, or two fit. And now, if you probably auction it, you get it. I mean, it's been open the flap. You can probably get several thousand dollars for it. Apparently, I don't know. I think that it's interesting. The mindset of wanting to own this is just me. A sealed game, I can almost understand. The console, first of all, it was never hermetically sealed, obviously. And it's like, wouldn't it be cool just to open it up and look at the pieces inside? Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. it's just weird. But I went for 13 too. I thought it was it's just sitting in there yellowing over time. <sighs> yeah, that's, it's it's almost sadder in a way. It's somewhat sad, more sadder than the games to have the console. Well, like more, there's generally more games produced than, no, 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 no. Uh, there wouldn't be. No. Um, there's always more consoles. But yeah, I just don't like the idea of the actual hardware like, I get it with a game sometimes. And, I mean, toy. In the games, once again, you can get ROMs, but the, the, the systems, <laughs> going back to the stuff that you were saying earlier in the video game history uh, discussion, systems are needed if you want to recreate the experience. Yes. yes. If you want to literally for, you know, accessing games originally how they were meant to be played, you need the hardware. Yeah, like that's not a controls thing. That's what you need, right? So I do, digital, I do get more upset about digital, seeing that stuff. Visual experience will never replace playing it on the original hardware. It's a different experience. They, they, and the games look differently. Yep. On top of that, which we don't bring up uh, yeah. uh, too often or enough. Games that have plummeted. We love this part. We love this. And I did go through like ten or twelve. I picked out a few here. Uh, Contra nine point six A just went for eleven thousand four hundred. That's still a lot to me. Uh, but yeah, but it, not as much as the 60k it went for in October 2021. Yes, uh, you just that's a that's a forty nine thousand dollar drop in uh, less than two years. That's what we call taking a bath. Yes, <laughs> the way Ian needs to because he's multi layered in the sun. <sighs> uh, Ocarina of Time, the regular non collector's edition, a nine point four A plus plus six point six thousand, but uh, two years ago was fourteen point four thousand. 
And even August of last year was uh, 8.4. So that's a slow and steady decline uh, there. And then uh, interesting how they're still scared to auction off a very, very high-grade Super Mario 64. Interesting how they, they're, they're scared to do a 9.6 or a 9.8 the past couple of years. Since, since the last ones went down precipitously, like over a million dollars, remember, uh, the one. Um, Super Mario 64, 9.2A+, 7.8,000. Uh, a year and a half ago, it was, it was 21.6,000. That's a decline of Pat Math about 58%. Off the top of my head, something like that. Get out a calculator. Yeah, but then add an extra plus, uh, Pat. Yeah, go, go. Yeah, eat me. Extra plus. What is it? What is it? I've even talked to people that said, yeah, that's bullshit with the pluses at that point. It's like, yeah, like it's it's so subjective at that point. The the, the greater. But the yeah, I kind of like all of it is to a degree, but at least you can get you can, you know, formulate things to check and whatnot. Yeah, but more, uh, but but literally a seal quality is your eyes. A plus is supposed to be the ball. A plus plus. I mean. Like, what does that mean? A hundred and ten percent. And the reason why I know I'm right, because like I, I there's like no reaction video from someone. Who's like, hey, Pat, I got all these examples of an A plus plus being better than an A plus. And it's like, is really a scientific like grading guide for that? Again, I, I, I have I have the Overstreet Comics grading guide, which literally tells you how to grade comics. Please release one for seals of games. If Please. you have a nine point eight. A plus and a nine point and you cracked it open and got it immediately regraded and you just kept doing it. I bet you it would even out to 50 50 on whether it was a plus or a plus plus. Eventually you get there I just, or go down. You can go one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm up, saying. Yeah. Like it's it, toss up. did a hundred of them. It would be 50 50. Like, like a blind, a blind taste test of them. Sort of, so to speak. Yes. You crack over 20 of them. Yeah. Take one grade. and have like a hundred people grade it. Sure. See what it comes down to. Uh, so those were those were the uh, the bigger takeaways. The other thing is uh, going to the Super Mario sixty four. I thought it was, and, and the auction might be still going on right now for like Super Nintendo games right now. It's very, 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 very interesting that there was w- there was not many N sixty four games in this auction, and this was a signature auction. Where it's like this is which is where big, that was supposed to, the, the, the like the biggest stuff like the NWC card like the, this is like the bigger because I do these regularly but like NWC card is going to be like the bigger auction. I'll go out on a limb and say what happened was is we started to see what was happening with Nintendo graded stuff that was getting auctioned mm-hmm. and they rushed bringing N sixty four stuff to auction. They struck while the iron was hot. Well, they yeah. they did it too soon, and the reason is, and the reason I say this is, Nintendo stuff is going to be less available. Then Super Nintendo yeah, is yes, going yeah. to be less available sure. than uh, the N64. Bringing out these N64 auctions and pumping it up at that time when we are only 20 years from that and we're, what, 35 years from sure. um, the NES, that's, that's 15 years the NES had for people to go around and find stuff. So just, there's still a lot more N64 to discover, I feel like. Well, you said they came out too soon. Not for the people that cashed in. Like the people that got well, no, the bed, no, but yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about the overall value of oh, it. Oh, sure, that's what's going. Oh, to yeah, eat it. it's no, lost. Yeah. It's are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. Like, it's gone. It's absolutely gone. Uh, I, I, can look, I can look up a couple more real quick if we want. Like there's like a banjo Tui that went for forty two hundred. I'll look up that real quick. The last one, but yeah, they 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 realize. I mean, the auction people they're not stupid. They they've seen this with other stuff. Yeah, coins, they know. And, you know, they're going to pretend like it's the next, you know, the hottest thing, and it's always going to be the hottest. Yeah, because they've seen this with the coin market, which you know, Jim <laughs> Halperin, uh, on the record, you know, got the feds busted in for helping manipulate the market in the '80s, so they know how it works. Well, and comics are rising back up, but they also saw this with comics in the '90s. 
Uh, then after, then it obviously shot up with the movies came out. Yeah, you know, like I said, I know, I know that's gone back up, but um, they've seen it before. By the way, I mean, this as an aside, we talked about this with Comic Con. I'm seeing all these golden silver age comics, like walls of them. I mean, what happens? In, no one cares in 20 years when the people that are the big wig people that are dealers that they're all like in their 60s now, when they're dead or gone. Like, is that are there going to be people that are going to be like justify? Oh, a random Wonder Woman comic from 1948 that's a great condition for seven hundred dollars. Are there going to be buyers for this stuff? No, and I mean, I will uh, say that in the fifteen, six, probably more than that, honestly, years that I've been doing Comic Con, I've watched the amount of people over at those booths drop precipitously. Until honestly, I walked through that area a couple times on Saturday, and the people there were other people from other booths talking to each other. And they they seem like very, very stubborn, snobby people, and they're not going to have that market. It, it, it's going to be like NES collecting. Eventually, it's the audience the, that cares... The few big things? The, the audience that cares is going to go away, and it's going to be the few big things. Your yeah. supercars isn't going to hold its value <laughs> forever. Yeah, because like you have all these... I mean, everything is graded. They have thousands of these comics going back to the yeah. 30s. And I'm just like... They're going to sit on this stuff forever. Yep. Like this stuff's going to sit there forever. And yeah, they're going to make their money here and there and some choice. Again, things, but right now yeah. they just need those whales. But the, but, but, Ian, but the amount of things that whales want to buy. But the amount of money they invested in getting that stuff graded. Because they take a percentage of, the, of yeah. the market price on those things. They all look the exact same too. Have you seen those guys? Almost all of them look the exact same. They're all sixty-five years but, old. Button-up shirt, fifty-five, uh, gray hair parted like this. Sometimes glasses. But the thing is, they don't fucking care. I walked by one booth there this year, and on the sign was a big banner of the owner, and it says two hundred, two hundred, two million in cash available for purchase at all times. That's not a good thing to advertise, by the way. You have two no, million in cash on you. That. How do you have two million in cash? You have a couple of briefcases. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it said not cash. On you. It might not have said cash, bank. but it said two million. You know, uh, well, yeah, probably in a bank. Two million available for purchase the, at all times. The, the buyers have to be running out. I think at some point, and that goes for the games as well. There's going to get the point where less and less people care. It's like anything else. You're gonna. It, it's like I'm looking at some of these where it's like, like I said, people are just like I said, it's scratch off tickets. It's going to be scratch off tickets. Like, oh, your your nine point uh Harvest Moon A plus sealed for eleven hundred dollars. Like uh, by itself, it's not bad, but that person is also buying a hundred and fifty other games at the same time. Yeah. Th- see, and that's the yeah. weird thing about this graded stuff, and you're right that people don't think about enough. I don't think anyone really thinks about this enough, is that this isn't buying, selling, and trading within your own collection. This isn't looking at your collection being like, oh, wow, I've got this really expensive game. Let's grade it and sell it. Sure. No, these are people who are buying games and grading them en masse. Sure. You know, so just hitting on one, they've got a lot of other money to make. Sure. Oh, I've got to talk about my Pikachu set I used to have. I'm so, I don't know why I sold that. I had a brand new Pikachu N64 because they weren't hard to find in, in their early to mid 2000s. They were at Toys R Us still. It was the could, only uh, N64 that I ever owned. Yeah, you could find it because they were very, very easy to find. So I bought mine from our, our buddy. Hope he's doing well, Nintendo Dan. Hmm. I bought it. And then I don't know. And then check in with him. And then in 2000, I probably still his number. Um, then in, uh, it was one of the SoCal Gaming Expos, not the. Well, Pasadena one was one of the ones at Frank and Sons. Maybe one of the ones with Frank was uh, with me there. Not the Frank of Frank and Sons, but my Frank, your Frank. 
Um, I had it sitting there. I guess I said, well, why do I need this? I have an N64, the original one in the box there. Looking back, I was like, no, that's a cool fucking set. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, little cheeks alternate light up. System. Red has a little foot reset on it. It's adorable. It's incredible. It's adorable. I'm not, even a, I'm not even a Pokemon fan. And I couldn't sell the thing. This is one like six years ago. I couldn't sell it. It, it was actually, it wasn't even a collector. It was um, a, a Pokemon gal, probably mid-20s. Uh, early to mid twenties, I think might have been there with her with her with her dad or like an older relative or something. Uh, who knows? But like, she was like, "Oh, I like Pokemon." I showed, "Oh, it has the little the little uh, watch thing in there, right?" It's got this. I was I, with you because I remember, remember I remember pulling it out and yeah, she, we were like, showing, make, making sure everything. She, was there. She wasn't sure, but I'm like, "Yeah, it's yeah. got everything in." Well, it's a good investment, lady, because now it's worth apparently uh, thirty six hundred dollars if you get it graded. I'm just saying, like, it's just weird because, like, that's not hard to find. Everyone's probably holding on to them. Well, I would say that it probably is harder to find than we think. I think the reason why it was so easy to find then when I bought one, because I bought one, bought uh, what was the last WWF uh, AKI game on there? Was it No Mercy? Mercy? I bought that No Mercy, played it for like six months, and then got rid of it. But that was a late release system. Okay. That was a late release system. But it's not, it's uncommon. It's not like it's rare. Sure, sure. That's what I mean. I'm just saying, but yeah, they would have been more available then because people would have been selling off all of their systems. Now I wish I kept that damn thing. I only regret, for the stuff that I've sold off so far, I regret only like two or three things. And that's how I know I'm doing a good job. I regret selling my Killer Instinct Super Nintendo set. I I really do regret selling that because that was pretty cool. Um, I had the Killer Cut CD still sealed, still sealed new in it. I used to have two complete Ridge Racer 4 big boxes with the extra controller. Oh. I don't own either of them anymore. I regret that. I regret... I didn't know they did a big box version of that. Oh, yeah. I used to have two of them. I had one sealed. Big box? I had one opened, one sealed, and a loose copy of the game. I, at one point in time, had four of those jog cons in my place. Um, Hoarder. I also regret selling off some of my DS stuff. But you can always rebuy it. I, I, you can, but some of the stuff I sold off is very expensive. Yeah, but overall, most of the stuff you bought, you're not going to want again, so you're still, you know. It's just, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of some of it, because I really do like that system. It was stuff I got rid of in financially tough times. I think it, I got rid of most of that initially when I was sick. And it was just like, I really like the DS and 3DS library, and I just I would have liked to have held on to some of that. So maybe that's so. where we were. This is where we close this up, is that video games now for these speculators or where the Golden Age and Silver Age comic books were uh, for these folks like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. where maybe the interest was peaking on it. And now yes. it's, it's like, well, what do we do now when this stuff's laying around? Uh, you know, like, because you see some of those vendors. It was, and here's how you know the interest is different. There's no marketplace that exists where you can go and see a, like a few hundred uh, sealed games for sale the same way you see all the sealed comic books for sale. That's how you know the market's entirely fucking different. Mm-hmm. When people try to just, yep. I was like, no. I Even can, at video game uh, conventions, that's you don't not see it. there. You see one, yeah. yeah. You, yeah, you see someone has 10, 20, 30, but it's very specialized and it's not like every, you know, everything. It, it's, it's an entirely different mindset for getting into it and it's an entirely different audience versus everyone that's a comic book collector would probably be like, well, I I can look at these and be interested in them because this is the only way I can look at a uh, you know the first appearance of Wonder Woman. I forget the comic it was in. Um, the only way I can look at it is graded because obviously the thing is priceless and there's not a lot of these things out there, right? You know how many are there? Well, if I can uh, do a turn on one of our favorite phrases uh, in terms of collecting and markets, 
Uh, get out early. Get out early. Get out early. <laughs> it's always it's always better to sell when the prices are going up than down. You don't want to be selling when the prices are going down. Too many people are, are playing that game of chicken. They want to hit that peak. You never know when the peak is. That, and that goes for stocks or anything else. NFTs, obviously, people. Uh, was Justin Bieber thing came out. He spent $1.2 million on NFT. It's worth 59000 now. One of the board, uh, yeah. board apes. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't want to be. You don't want to be. You don't ever want to be the last person owning an NFT or a graded game. And anyone who tells you <laughs> that they know uh, something's going up or they can predict that future is that just is lying to you. That's that's the way you look at it. Yeah, you don't want to be the last. You don't want to be the last person to ever hold the graded game in your hand. Nope. <laughs> that that's probably it. Hot potato. That's a, all right. Is that it for our podcast? We had fun, right? It was a good one. I enjoyed it. It was fun all the way through. We were spirited. Spirited like your antiperspirant holding up that holding up a good fight. Uh yeah, it really does. <laughs> it does a great job. You use the clear, I don't like the clear, it's a slimy. I like the I like the, the white the white uh solid. I use what do I use? I actually use a women's deodorant. Uh that works very, very well. pH balance. Uh it works super well. I use a, I use a right guard uh white and it's pretty good. It it does its job. At least uh, everyone's body's chemistry different, but for me, uh, I found that. And I'm like, this works pretty well. I'm sticking to it. I like to smell softer than harsher, too. So well, I, I don't care about the smell. I just want does it, does it keep my pitch dry. Right. That's all I care about. Yeah, no, that was that was I, how I, I ended up. I think it's a secret. Yeah, I I'm, ended I'm up dry. So I was like, oh, I'm pretty dry right now. I know the cut I'm, right I'm pretty dry. You want to feel? Nope. I'm, I'm pretty I'm dry. I don't, Pat. I really don't. It's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. All right. All right. That's it. Bye. We'll see you at Long Island.